so mad at both myself and also just the coffee as a concept for what I just fucking did, mate. <laughs> I, I am so mad. So we can get right into that. I have not, it's not the worst start to a day I've ever had, but it's just one that really brings you down after something that you've been doing really well. Where um, the channel, Fact Fiend, the one, the one that I run, the one that Lucas is on, the one mm. presumably everyone um, found this podcast via. Mm-hmm. Um, we've got a bunch of sponsors, and we had enough. We could the entire recording session we had today was sponsored videos, and it's various um, like people. Um, as one of them was for a book written by a young guy. He's like, yeah, oh, I just want I want a book to get out there. It's a horror novel. I'm presuming we'll talk about that in a moment. Um, another one is for like fan translations of um, fan art and fan media related to a video game. And then the other one was a guy who sells wool. So an eclectic range of sponsors, <laughs> which I think fits the tone of the channel. And all the people behind them are all super nice. They gave us basically carte blanche to say whatever we want beyond just mention that the video is sponsored and put a link to our stuff. But during the recording of the last one, so I thought, oh, we're recording sponsor stuff today. I put on a nice shirt. I wore a, a crisp, clean white T-shirt. Yep. And during the recording of the very last video where I'm a crisp, clean white t-shirt and my blazer that I have at the office when I want to feel professional, spill black coffee all down the front of my fucking shirt. Oh, God. Live on camera while doing the sponsor bit. It's like, <laughs> I'm so sorry to the dude who sponsored the channel. I'm, oh, I feel like such a prick. But you know what, Carl? Don't feel sorry because that's a nice moment that we can clip out and share. Yeah, it's going to be uh, you know probably the funniest part of the entire episode. But, my God... It's just one of those things where I I really do like white t-shirts. I think white t-shirts look super clean, super classy, and they go with virtually everything. And just that nice, simple, like smart, casual look of the the clean white t-shirt with the uh, the like dark blazer as you did on the video, or just like you know a denim shirt, or just like, like a just super clean look, yeah, with just like plain black trousers, like chinos, mm-hmm. jeans, whatever you want, and then just like a nice chinos. Tr- no, no, not chinos, <laughs> but I don't know what to call them. I'm just wearing like black trousers. They're not jeans, but they're like they're just skinny black uh, trousers that cost like a tenner from H and M. Yeah, but this is a really nice clean look. I look really professional. I look like I run a business. I like I like I run a business. People want to fucking work with and collaborate with and I spilled coffee all down my front. Well Carl, that was like the unprofessional part of professionally, professionally unprofessional. unprofessional. But um like yeah. Uh, welcome to episode is it forty something we're still in? Forty eight today. Forty eight. And just to kick off Lucas, like have you had that moment of cause I, the T shirt, it's it's not a big deal. It costs two quid. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I bought it's a gym shirt. This is the thing that annoyed me about it. It's a gym shirt from Decathlon. Yeah, um, a store in the UK. I'm not sure if there's an American equivalent, but it's, it costs two pounds. I believe it is. Decathlon might be like an American store. I, 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 uh, hopefully, if people like Americans will know, like, when I say it costs two quid, uh, they could probably tell like the quality of stuff. That's what I'm saying. It's a very, very cheap like sportswear store. Yeah, and this is specifically um, noted as being a gym shirt. Mm-hmm. So it's just a plain cotton shirt for working out. It is the best fitting T-shirt I own. Oh, nice. It is nice, but it also pisses me off because like, I went there and just like, oh, I need a new shirt for sleeping in because I yeah. for sleep for sleepwear and for like when I'm exercising around the house. I think I just bought some like Pilates trousers, like, you know, like the the because the pure cotton, the breathable. Oh yeah, of course, yeah. And I thought, oh, I'll buy a gym shirt as well because again, it's cotton, it's breathable. And I put the t-shirt on. and Went, this fits me better 
than the plain, like I said, I just got a plain black one um, mm -hmm. a couple of weeks ago. This fits me better than the fifth, uh, the other plain black t-shirt I bought from River Island, which is like a, a slightly like, um, like above board. It's like, it's not expensive, but it's more expensive than like, you know, you maybe want to pay for a plain t-shirt. But I, I want to treat myself and get a nice <laughs> black t-shirt. Got it. Barely, it fits like shit. This one that costs two quid that you're supposed to wear underneath other stuff fits better. And I'm like, oh, what is this? Yeah. So mad. It is really annoying. And I find like a lot of the time, I um, I quite like loose fitting clothes and just comfortable stuff. And <laughs> I find a lot of the time, like if I get something that's meant to be like a loose fit, it's better from like a cheap store. But then obviously the downside is it's from a cheap store and it all just falls apart immediately. Yeah. And yeah, so, and then as well, it's probably like not made under the best conditions. But exactly, it annoyed yeah. me. It, it annoyed me so much that this thing that cost less than like a can of Monster, like the can of Monster I was drinking, like um, like when I bought the t-shirt at home, it like, cost more than the fucking shirt. You're buying some expensive cans of Monster, Carl. I know. I really wanted. It. I'm, I'm joking. Over. <laughs> I, I was hungover. And I needed it, but I just looked at it. This is so fun. And it's like my my girlfriend. She went to H and M. And she bought a dress. It's like a romper suit for four pounds. All right, yeah. And it fits her so well. And she was stood there. And she said the same thing to me about this white. I'm still in this white t-shirt. So I bought like a white one, a grey one, a black one. Right, yeah. Just like to wear underneath like jackets and like this fits so nice. It annoys me. It costs so little. And she's like, this romper suit cost me four pounds. I've got like 50, 60 quid dresses over there that don't fit as nice as this. Why <laughs> is this the case? And we're both getting really mad about it. And then you get the classic like you know. Um, other side of things where it's like, oh, okay, well, just I've got like say three different types of jeans that are the different sizes, oh. and for some reason they all fit the same. Or I've got like three different pairs of shorts that are all the same size that do not fit the same in any way. Yeah, so like we can use that as a jumping off point, and then we can probably go back to the sponsors because fuck it, like they paid me money and they've. They'll get their money's worth. We mentioned in the video, but they're just eclectic and interesting enough to talk about on their own. I feel. But is there anything you own, not necessarily an item of clothing, that for the price was just like really surprising quality? Like this isn't a, like a plug. For anyone wondering, this is just like hmm. it. When talking about the sponsors, I'm thinking like what it is um, because the difference like, I draw between sponsors. Like there's a sponsorship and there's an endorsement, and a sponsorship is where we are paying you money to like you know to mention our products, whereas an endorsement is. We're paying you money to talk about our, like, like the fact that you should buy our product, sort of thing. Yeah, and I don't know whether this is like a sign of quality for for like this purpose, but okay. One thing that um, I'm a big fan of, uh, bear with me, is jelly beans. Okay, I've got um, something similar when it comes to jelly beans, but uh, just so, to clarify for anyone wondering, like, we are not being paid for anything we're about to mention. But no, we're not. I, no, we're not. I really like the idea of a product that you will mention and talk about positively um, like, uh, without being prompted. Because yeah, that's something like, you always see and say, like, would you talk about this? Like, you get it when you get queried about like, Microsoft and stuff. Oh, would you recommend our operating system to a friend? unprompted it's like no nobody no. does that stop asking um so is there a product you would recommend to people unprompted yeah even though uh, i'm prompting you to say it and like the, again this is not asking for like plugs or anything but yeah i love jelly belly jelly beans like they are okay. like the gourmet jelly bean like that's literally what they're labeled and okay they live up to that reputation but 
they're very expensive. Mm-hmm. However, you can buy something called belly flops, belly flops, which are the jelly belly jelly beans that didn't meet like the standards. So, like t- when two of them get joined together or they're misshapen, okay, they all get like sent to like the trash bag, and you buy just like a massive bag of all the ones that don't quite meet the standard of like the shape or whatever. Oh, so it's like bags of broken biscuits and stuff like that. So yeah, and they are just like still just they're they're just the same jelly bean. They just might look a bit different. Mm-hmm. And they are like a quarter of the price, if not less. And I'm just like, holy shit. When I discovered this, I was like, this is such a good deal and I, it changed my life, Carl. Uh well, oddly enough, I have basically the exact same product I'd like to recommend unprompted, and it is also jelly beans. Oh, right. And um, I have a really bad sweet tooth. I have to, like, I have had to cut sugar out of my diet almost entirely because of how bad my sweet tooth is. Right, yeah. Because like, I'm one of those people, I can eat, like, um, an entire um, bag of Skittles. Like, I'm talking about like, the big family sharing bags, like, during, like, <laughs> yeah. when you're at the cinema or something. So I have to specifically avoid doing that because like, my sweet tooth is that bad. And um, there is something I have en- encountered in my youth that I will specifically seek out, and it is something called jelly stones. And they are... Like you mentioned, misshapen jelly beans. And the brand is Jelly Stones. Okay. And um, I, uh, the reason I like them so much is because they are the tastiest jelly beans I've ever had. And they are like the ones you said, they're sometimes like beans are stuck together. Sometimes you also well get the ones that are just, oh, it's just all the coating all blocked together. <laughs> and they just taste really nice. And they only sold them in bargain stores, specifically the shop home bargains. And Every time I go into a home bargains, I will look for these things. Because even though I avoid eating sweets whenever I can, I will go out of my way to buy these because they are that nice. Mm -hmm. And I was so curious. I Googled them to double check while while you were talking. And I have stumbled across an online store called The Bean Seller, which just sells (laughs) jelly beans. And apparently they're discontinued. Oh, and no. I'm now, and I'm like, no, but you can still buy them from this store. Oh, and I'm awesome. now tempted because it says if you order over a kilo, you get free postage. I'm like, should I use some of the big wangers coffers to just buy like 40 kilos of jelly stones? Well, Carl, I'm not gonna lie, I'm probably immediately ending like the recording today and ordering a few kilos myself because they are that good and. Um, they remind me a little bit of, like uh, you mentioned, like just broken and misshapen ones, like the the concept of broken biscuits, which I'm wondering if it's a thing in America. Uh, probably not, because like biscuits in America, like for all you Americans like listening right now, what you call biscuits, we do not think of as biscuits. Yeah, so when we say biscuits, we mean something more akin to a cookie. Uh, yeah, so any type of like thing Americans call cookies is like to us a biscuit, whereas we call cookies very specifically like the circular like you know cookie dough cookies yeah they are like, a specific kind of biscuit and then you mm-hmm. have like different kinds of biscuits you can get you can, like your bourbons and we can talk about that with the like you know the fucking god tier we can rank the biscuits if we want lucas but oh let's do I- it carl the idea that they sell bags of broken biscuits which are similar to jelly stones and the things that you mentioned yeah. just on the factory when if they're not perfect we'd have to throw them away mm-hmm. or so we put them in a bag and sell them cheap why not and they're the exact same thing, but they're just not perfect. They can't meet, like, the branding quality. So, like, you can't put those, like, jelly beans on the shelf and go, 
look how amazing our jelly beans are because they don't look right. But they still taste fine. And they're the ugly ducklings, but they taste fine on the inside. And then there's something similar again with uh, produce that they have in the UK. And I'm really glad that they've done this because if people aren't aware, there are very strict guidelines about what produce on shelves has to look like. Uh, currently. Uh, <laughs> the, yeah, maybe like, you know, Brexit's going to sort that one out. I can't wait for that chlorinated chicken. It's going to be oh, fantastic. Yeah. But uh, that's why, um, if you're in the UK at least, you'll see, oh, grade A pears or something like that. And if you wonder what grade A means, it's like a specific criteria a pear has to meet to be grade A. And if it's not, um, it'll be like grade B and there's like a various ranking systems. And the problem is that... That's just can, fruit in general, right? Yeah, for all fruit in general, not specifically yeah. pears. But like there's criteria for every like piece of produce that you sell about what grade it is. And the problem is that bad, if it's not a good grade, you can't charge much for it. So it's basically useless. So it mm-hmm. largely gets thrown away, which is a huge problem because it's waste. You're, just, you're growing this food. You're spending time, effort, money, and resources to grow this food that you're literally just throwing into... Um, well, yeah, it's not only a waste a of food. It's like a waste of resources. Yeah, you're throwing it into a landfill because you can't sell it. So mm. um, something that a lot of stores now do is misshapen veg. Yeah. And I really like this because you go, oh, yeah, get like misshapen peppers. And they taste exactly the same. They just don't look like um, a, what you imagine a pepper to look like. or what Again, you they're not like, like brand standard. Yeah, but they're, like, they're not, there's nothing wrong with them. They just don't look as aesthetically pleasing. Yeah. And they're still as nutritionally balanced and like, you know, um, valuable as any other piece of like produce. So they don't look very nice. And I love this because I just love going into, oh, yeah, I can get a bag of peppers for, like, two quid or a misshapen peppers for 50p. And they're exactly the fucking same. And who gives a shit when they're all cut up and put in your um, bolognese? Yeah. And I, I'm a big fan of that idea of, like, how to reduce wastage. And something else I quite like is um, something the store Lidl did to encourage um, kids to eat vegetables and um, fruit is they renamed a lot of their fruit and veg. Oh, Okay. So, for example, instead of sweet potatoes, they call them sweet potato pigs. Oh. And they put a little pig, uh, they draw a little sweet potato as a pig on the front yeah. to get kids like, you know, excited about eating them. It's like, oh, do you want to get the sweet potato piggies? And like, they've got a little sweet potato pig on the front. Oh, that's cool. That's, yeah, that's, that's have... a good little um, like trick to get kids to appreciate them more. Yeah, and I, I thought that's such a neat idea to do it. And I was like, really excited when I was buying them. <laughs> so I can't, I want my. I saw him and I want a sweet potato pig. I'm like nearly fucking thirty and I still want one. <laughs> and that idea, like tricking kids and adults apparently into buying um, fruit and veg. Yeah, it's really clever. And I thought you were going a different way with like something a store has done. Um, because I thought you were going to be like I saw it in Tesco at the very least. Um, they just had like a basket of fruit at the front of the store, and it was like, look give one of these like pieces of fruit to your kid to eat while they're walking around. That was an amazing idea. And it's like, A, it's encouraging like, you know, kids eating healthy. And B, mm-hmm. it's like keeping your kids distracted while you're walking around the store. And it encourages them, like, yeah, if, as a treat, have some fruit. Like fruit is just something you like, should encourage your children to eat more of. And um, my uh, parents always had, they had a house rule, uh, which I'm really glad they implemented what it was. Um, the fruit basket is just always full. There's always apples, always bananas, oranges, what, what have you in there. Mm-hmm. And you can have as much fruit as you want. But if you want to get something like a biscuit or a chocolate bar or a packet of crisps, you have to ask. Okay, yeah. And like that simple rule always meant that usually you'd want to just get the fruit because it's there. And just having it out and just having the option of whenever you want, oh, I'm hungry, I'll just grab an apple. 
that's a really good idea and i know like my parents did a, a different kind of thing but another good thing to encourage us to like eat healthily was you don't have to eat everything on your plate but you have to eat all your like veg on your plate eat your veg yeah so it's not like well if you're feeling full we're gonna like make you eat all of your fucking like chips or whatever and that's just unhealthy um but it was just like make sure like you eat all your broccoli or whatever um, and if you not if you're full, you don't have to like eat all your your chicken nuggets or your chips or your spaghetti or whatever we're having. But if there's veg, eat your veg. Yeah, no, that's always good. But I've just uh, found an article on it now, and it is just about it's uh, a article all about Lidl, and it's expanding its fun size veg range to help kids eat their greens. And what they do is they deliberately price it very cheaply. So you can just buy a small packet for your children for them to try or maybe help you in the kitchen with it. And just a few examples are radfishers, which are radishes that are misshapen, so like fish. <laughs> Celery stalks, and they have like a little cute stalk on the front. They have unicorn carrots, which are carrots of various colours. Okay. So it encourages your kid, like, do you want to try some unicorn carrots? Yeah. And they have sweet potato piggies. They have um, Romanosaurus rex. I don't, know, I, I don't know what that vegetable is, but it looks fucking awesome. The other one that looks like a weird geometric um, star. Like Romany, I think it is. Oh, right, okay. And they have cauliflower clouds. So they have cauliflower with the, um, the stalks cut off, so they look like clouds. Mm-hmm. Broccoli trees. And yeah. like, you could say this is stupid, but it really does work. So I remember as a kid, that's how I, I was encouraged to eat my vegetables. Um, cause you must have had something similar. Pretend to be a monster. Do you remember mm. that? Where it's um, uh, my mum and my dad, were, when we were younger, would say, we want you to pretend to be a monster and that you're eating the things on your plate <laughs> and then make up stories to what's on the plate. That's cool. It's like when you're eating like beans on toast. It's like, okay, so what do you want? What is the bread? What's the bread? I say, that's the building. And what, and what are the, the, the beans? Oh, they're the people. So you're a monster. You've got to eat, all the be- eat all the buildings and eat all the people. <laughs> a bit like you know dark in retrospect but it made me eat my fucking um, uh, vegetables i thought you were going to i thought they were going to be like your bread would be like a boat and the people would be drowning in the water or something like yeah you never know it depends on the mood doesn't it yeah it does. but it did encourage me to eat a lot of my veg and then uh, the, the classic one that my brother got me with is i fucking hate mushrooms still mm. do to this day but when i was younger he got me to eat all my mushrooms by saying they're not mushrooms they're tushrooms and they're different. And just being told that, even though they taste exactly the same or the same texture, because in my head, they were no longer mushrooms. I ate them all. <laughs> because kids are idiots and you can get them to eat fruit and veg if you lie to them. Maybe not the best lesson to have, but fuck it. It's good for you. And I love um, the videos of like, you know, when like obviously p- parents do things like when they're trying to feed babies, they're like, here comes the aeroplane. Yes. Um, I love the videos of, like, kids getting tricked to open the mouth with, like, something tasty. Yeah. And then they just shove the baby food in the mouth of the kids. Like, oh. And the thing is, well, they don't now. Uh, like, sometimes, like, the funny ones are when the kid, like, realises. It's like, oh, no. Just halfway through. Like, you've betrayed me. How could <laughs> yeah. you do this? It's like, uh, you can get something when kids are hurt. Mm. Where if a kid falls over and hurts their knee... Um, if you act like it's not a big deal, they won't cry. Obviously, mm. if your kid falls over and like, they break their leg, like, don't pretend it's not a big deal. <laughs> but like, a cut and a scrape, um, like, and I've seen this happen. And you're patient and you understand, but you don't make a big deal of it. It's like, oh, no, have you hurt your knee? Are you okay? Mm-hmm. And they're like, yeah, I think I'm okay. Or like, the classic is like, I'll kiss it better. I'll rub it. The magic like sponge. Yeah, the magic sponge. I'm going to put the magic sponge and it stops you from hurting. But the psychological thing of like, I feel like it's better now. Mm-hmm. And I love all that shit. It's great. 
Yeah, tricking, and like, tricking kids into being healthy and um, uh, like you know just developing good habits. That's the thing is, I think it's the worst thing in the world when like you see a kid fall over, and kids fall over a lot. Like mm-hmm. it's gonna happen, and yeah, okay, as you mentioned, if they break the fucking leg, make a big deal over it. But like when you see parents like sprint over and like dote on the child, like oh no, oh no, you've hurt your knee slightly. And it's like, that, of course, is going to teach the kid, holy shit, this is a massive deal. Yeah. And then it's, if I, you don't, I do, yeah, they won't react too much. It's, like, it's, a big, it's a clearly a big deal. I'm underreacting. I'm, I've got to like, react, respond with the same level of um, uh, urgency as my parent evidently is. <laughs> yeah, basically. So just the, the lesson here, though, is just lie to your kids all the time. Uh, yeah, that's basically what, you know, me and Carl, um, two very, very non- you know, parenty people are going to give parents advice now, yeah. It's not about, like, so fact, this is, that's things that worked on me as a kid. Yeah, no, that, that's, not, that's the kind of stuff that I've had work as me as a kid, or I've seen, like, friends with kids do, and stuff that works, like, but yeah, I, to clarify, I don't have kids, so I'm not saying that I am the sage of children advice or anything. I just think it's, like, it's um, just well, it's a couple of little, uh, couple of tips. And everyone has got something similar from their own childhood where they do that. Like the one for me was my parents um, like just telling me, oh, it's not a mushroom, it's something else. Mm-hmm. And I eat it. Like those little white lies you tell kids to get them to like, you know, develop good habits. Yeah. Like, like eat your crusts if you want to grow up big and strong, those ones. Like encouraging you to like, no, just like eat, like don't waste food, that sort of thing. Still to this day, do not get the resentment for crusts. It's because there's no flavor on them. Like, do you know what that comes from? People making shit sandwiches. Yeah, basically. Like, when I got older, because, like, when you get a cheese sandwich as a kid, and you're like, yeah, I don't want to eat the crust because there's fucking nothing on the crust because there's, like, one slice of, like, that really shit square cheese on this bread. <laughs> That's when you're like, but when you're older and you make, like, yourself a sandwich and you make it and you fill that thing up. Yeah. It's fine because there's flavour all the way through and the crust, like, you know, the edges. Like the crust yeah, and, pizza. like, you know, you get a nice spread and put it all the way to the edges. That's how you do it. Like, well, okay, then. Well, that we, can, we can use that as a jumping off point. Is there, like, a part of a food that you do not eat? A part of a food that I do not eat? There's yeah, plenty like, of, like, like foods like, that I don't eat. But, like, crusts on bread or crusts on pizza, they're popular ones. Mm. Uh, uh, no, I, I love a good old crust. Because the one that I don't leave, which really freaks people out, is... I'm not sure if you've ever seen me eat an apple. Do you eat the core, Carl? I eat the core, yes. That's not good for you, though. Ah, it's fine. It's fibre, in it? And do you know where that comes from? It's when I was a kid, I was in a car, and I had an apple. <laughs> you didn't know and what to my, do with the I car. I didn't know what to do with it. So what I did is I just kept nibbling it and kept nibbling it to try... And <laughs> I, eventually, I got to the point where I had, like, this, like, half a centimetre thick core. And I, and I just thought to myself, oh, the, it's there's no core. Because you think, like, the core in your head as a kid, this is what I thought, at least, that there was a solid part in the middle that you just can't eat. Oh, right. And that's, yeah. and that's clearly what you're eating around. And when, because I would just sat there just nibbling and nibbling and nibbling and realized that no, you can, it's actually edible all the way through. Mm-hmm. I just develop, like, I just eat the entire core. Oh, God, no. And then throw away the stick. Um, no, I'm in fact the opposite with that, where, yeah, I, you know, like most people, Carl, I don't eat the core, but I have like an apple slicer in my kitchen. Oh, okay. Well, I, I just get the apple slicer, like, put it through my apple, and I love eating like the apple slices. Fair enough. I don't really like um, eating whole apples. And I don't like it anyway, but 
especially since I got a beard and it's messy as fuck to just shove an apple in my face. That's fair enough, yeah. And like the other one for me, that this is one that really annoys people and makes them uncomfortable is that I eat kiwis with the skin on. Oh, oh no, Carl. It's quicker, isn't it? No. Thank you, right. Isn't it furry? Man? It is a little bit. That's why you wash it. This one, Carl's like, oh yeah, I eat the avocado with the pip in it. I don't eat the avocado with the pip. I'm not that bad, but the other one is um, I peel bananas, but I bite the ends off like a cigar. Oh. Again, because it's quicker. It's a habit I developed as a child. So now I do it as an adult. Because I could, I was too um, clumsy to peel bananas. Well, a uh, tip for peeling bananas, peel them from what people think is the bottom. I've heard that, yeah. But because I, I, it's basically something I've done for about like 15, 20 years at this point. Mm-hmm. It's just instinctual when I get a banana just to bite the top off like a cigar and peel it that way. Because Ugh. I could never get it right as a kid. And, that's, and I found out after the fact it's because I would eat bananas before they were ripe. Oh, and I always okay. wondered... Why are bananas just so stringy and dry? It's like, oh, yeah, because I'm eating them when they're not ripe. <laughs> so another habit I've developed, and this is one that, again, that really like freaks people out, is that I wait for bananas to go black and then eat them that way. Oh. Do when they go completely brown? Because my granddad, and this is, again, it goes back into like lies you tell yeah. um, kids, is that um, when a banana goes brown, it tastes like chocolate. Oh, uh, okay. Uh, because when they go brown, like, it's the sugar, isn't it, that builds up and changes the colour? Uh, I'm not quite sure. I think it's something like that because they uh, they go mushy, but they're still edible. Right, They yeah. taste a lot sweeter because all the sugar is, like, crystallised or something like that. That's the explanation I've heard. Um, mm-hmm. So what he would do is he'd wait for his bananas to go all, like, brown and then eat them that way. And the, the thing that he'd always do is um, if we got a banana as a kid when we were at his house and if they're, like, joking, like, oh, I don't want to eat the brown spots he would eat the brown spots for us and he would always tell me they taste like chocolate. <laughs> and I, as a kid, I was like, well, I don't want my granddad nicking my chocolate banana. Yeah. So I would eat the brown spots. So yeah, and it's like a psychological thing because I was told that they taste like chocolate. They taste sweeter. So again, that's a habit now that carries on with me into adulthood. Like I'm getting to the point, Carl, where are you going to turn around and be like, yeah, and because I was told Santa exists as a kid, like, <laughs> No, it's just, it's like, you, have you got anything like that? Any weird quirks of, like, the way you eat or think, the, like, the way you prepare food, maybe, that come all the way from childhood to now? Like, you can't explain, it sounds weird when you explain it to people, it makes perfect sense to you. Because all the stuff I've just said makes perfect sense to me. But, like, it does, like, when people see me eat the core of an apple, they go, the fuck are you doing? There is one, and it's um basically, like, the way I cook sprouts. Okay. And now, a lot of people, not fan of sprouts, but instead of cooking them um, in salt water like most people do, or just boiling water, um, my mum used to put sugar in instead of salt to sweeten them up a bit. Okay. And that, I didn't know, like, wasn't normal. Like, I didn't realise she was putting sugar in the water. Um, so when I, like, moved out and cooked sprouts myself, I, like, made some sprouts and was like, yeah, I love sprouts, I love sprouts. Ate them and was like, ugh. <laughs> oh, I don't like sprouts. Called up my mum was like, how do you make your sprouts? Because they're really nice. She was like, oh, uh, to get you to eat them, I always just you put some sugar in the water with them to sweeten them up. So now to this day, I just put sugar in the water when I cook my sprouts and they're tasty oh, as fuck. That's so good. Like, it's probably not the healthiest way. You've got to get a kid to eat vegetable, don't cover it in fucking sugar. No, no, like to clarify, it is literally like, I put in a the spoon water, yeah. of sugar in the water um, so it's not like, oh yeah, I, I just drench them in sugar or anything. Well, that's only like caramelising onions and stuff like that, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Like you just you cook them in a certain way. Like um, or just caking everything in butter is usually the way that most things are cooked now. Because uh, a pro tip I learned when I worked in a high-end restaurant is all vegetables taste like shit. Nobody likes vegetables, but the reason they like them in our restaurant and every like fancy restaurant is we just put so much fucking butter in there. Right, yeah. Because the human body craves fat. And um, another one that's not like a, a, you know, a thing that I do as like a quirk, but one thing that um, I've learned mm-hmm. cooking is when you're cooking meat, like things like bacon and stuff, if you don't like the fat, cook it in the fat and then cut all the fat out after it's cooked because that the fattiness will give it the flavour. Well, that's one because uh, how do you cook your bacon? Because I cremate my bacon. Uh, yeah, I, I have my bacon very crispy and I usually uh, will just stick it under the grill and let it become like nice and solid. Yeah, and that's one where, um, again, it caused a lot of like, arguments, people getting weirded out. Like, how can you eat that? It's like it's so burned, like, but that's what makes it tasty to me. And I, it's for that reason I cannot eat bacon sandwiches made by other people. because Yeah, they because nev- I think that's why I cook my bacon crispy is because... I always used to have them on bacon sandwiches and I like the crispiness in there. Yeah, and no one ever cooks bacon enough for me. Yeah, so They always just like chuck it in the pan for about five minutes and it comes out and it's all wet and it's soggy and you put it on your bread and it soaks into the bread. And then your bread, it's like, oh, God, I hate yeah, it. Yeah, and even when I tell people like, oh, can you make my bacon a bit crispy? It still comes out like super wet and I'm like, this is not crispy then. It's not crispy, but you have to leave it on the side for a few seconds so all the, like, the, the fat wicks away and the steam comes off, but... Yeah, that's another one where I say a lot of people have very um, specific thoughts about how bacon should be cooked and prepared and like served and eaten. And it's um, I, the one, though, that caused the most arguments has got to be tea. Um, uh, yeah, in Britain, most definitely. And uh, my girlfriend, she's not from the UK. Mm-hmm. So we're like uh, one of the things that I joke about a lot, and it really does upset her sometimes. I feel bad about it. And I, I, I probably will feel bad later when I think she listens to these podcasts oh, no. when, I'm, when I'm at work. <laughs> Is uh, that when we first like started seeing each other, she made me a really bad cup of tea, but I was too polite to say it was bad. Oh, God. But then I mentioned it to her mate, jokingly in passing. Mm-hmm. And then she found out about it through the grapevine and got really upset. Like, you didn't like it. You didn't have to drink it. It's like, yeah, but it's like politeness in British, even if it's not nice to drink it and then complain about it later. <laughs> oh, no, see, like, I remember um, when I first made Jenna a cup of tea, I basically, like, put way too much milk in it because I don't really drink tea. I'm more of, like, a coffee person. Like, I have an okay. occasional cup of but I brought this, like, very weak tea to Jenna and she just looked at me and like, what the hell is this? What the fuck is this? Like, that wasn't... The worst piece is that she didn't put enough milk in, uh, so the, the and the tea had been left to steep for a very long time. So it was very it was very strong, but quite quite bitter. So there wasn't like the fat of the milk to take that away. Right, yeah, because I I know now know that like Jenna likes the tea to brew for a long time, so she can put a bit more milk in there and have it still strong. And like I think the problem my, my girlfriend had is like she put too much water in the cup, so you, there wasn't enough room for milk. Yeah, and it's one of those things where it's difficult to explain to someone. It makes you seem so petty to say it. Like you put just a little bit too much water in, but I guess everyone has those foibles when it comes to food because it's one of those things where like it is almost ingrained in you from childhood about the things that you like and the way that you like to eat them. Yeah, and I like know, for example, like a few people have super super weak tea, and normally it is because oh, like that that annoys yeah, the fuck out of me. Yeah, my parents have weak tea, and they just gave me it that way, but. 
just like being in a room full of British people and seeing someone make like a white, white cup of tea and just watching everyone's reactions. The worst bit as well, because a lot of that comes down to just a misunderstanding of how to make tea. Uh, because mm-hmm. most people it's like, oh, you put the bag in the water and then you put the milk in. It's like uh, you're supposed to like steep or like, like sit in the water for Americans for two to three minutes for the optimum like, level of distilling. But there's a lot of people who are very impatient, especially like tea breaks and stuff. You've only got like mm-hmm. 10 minutes. You can't yeah, spend yeah. like a third of that waiting for your tea. Or half of it with like the two minutes it takes to boil the kettle. Yeah, I see a lot of people literally like put the tea bag in, give it a quick shake, like squeeze it against the side. 10 seconds later, the tea bag's back out. And I'm like, what are you doing? That's why I was like, there's that amazing like meme that's like so relatable of like, imagine dating someone, falling in love, and they make cups of teas like this. And it's yeah. like that really shit white tea in like the mug. It's like, oh God, that's like awful. The, the tea that's as white as the white mug is. <laughs> it's like the other one is like, imagine falling in love with someone and find out they're the kind of person who claps on airplanes. Oh God, yeah. That's the other one. But um, like the thing that I like love most, um, like the thing I really abhor about tea, because I'm not too bothered about it, but as a, um, a friend of mine, when they have theirs, they leave the tea bag in. That annoys me. Um, see, I, I, I know not, obviously I've just mentioned that I make Jenna cups of tea a lot now, because, you know, we live together and all that. Mm-hmm. Um, Jenna got given some, like, tea for free that was really weak, so she was like, look, I'm, just leave the tea bag in. Like, it's that bad that it, just leave it in, because she was like, it's shit tea, but at the end of the day, I'm not going to turn away something that's free. But yeah, yeah fair enough. But my friend, they leave the tea bag in because they That's, like that yeah. as the tea gets colder, it gets stronger, and they like that last mouthful of really bitter cold tea. I'm like, fair enough, but that's not for me. That's what I dislike about green tea. Because with green tea, yeah, you normally just like, you know, um, pour, the, pour the water on the tea bag and leave the tea bag in to brew. But by the time you get to the bottom of the mug, it's so bitter, it's like unbearable. Mm-hmm. For me, at least, anyway, I really probably drink it quite slow, so it does become really bitter at the end. Yeah. There are people out there as well who, like, it's just, it's personal preference, but... Um, it is personal preference, yeah. Have you ever seen, like, George Orwell's, like, that George Orwell's Guide to Making Tea? I thought you were, like, have you ever seen, like, a picture of George Orwell's cuppa? But no, I, um, I've never heard of this, now. Okay, so this is one of the most contentious things he ever wrote. Bernie Man, he wrote 1984. Uh, so, yeah, that sums it up, and, um... George Orwell wrote an article for the Evening Standard on the 12th of January 1946, simply titled, A Nice Cup of Tea. And it is a list of 11 things that all tea must do. And it reads like the most up-their-own-ass thing imaginable. Oh, God. Uh, because it's like tea, as we've just talked about, it's, like, it's a very personal thing. People have like very strong feelings about how their tea should be prepared. But the number one thing to like, keep in mind is that it's the way they like it. So even if you don't particularly um, like enjoy the way they like their tea, it'd be a bit of a dick move to judge them for the way they enjoy it. Well, last thing is like when you know I'm hosting people at my flat or whatever, I will endeavour to be like every single person. Tell me how you make your how you like your tea, and however you like it, I will make it that way. I want you to enjoy your cuppa. Yeah, and it's one of the, like, all the stuff we talk about food. Like, I'm fine with people saying I'm weird in the way I eat food, but like the thing I've encountered sometimes is like outright hostility to the idea. Like when I eat the apple core, 
people getting yeah, angry I, about yeah, the idea. I find it a bit like I get a bit grossed out by the idea that but if that's how you do it, that's how you do it. It's like fair enough. It's like yeah, this is the way I eat my food, like whatever. But here we have George Orwell's Eleven Rules for Property, and bear in mind this is written in nineteen forty six. But at the same time, like you can just imagine the kind of person who thinks like this. Yeah, of like how fucking up their own ass they are about. I'm the starting idea of to um, create a different image of George Orwell in my head now. Okay, so first of all, one should use Indian or Ceylonese tea. China tea has virtues which are not to be despised. It is economical and one can drink it without milk. But there is not much stimulation in it. One does not feel wiser, braver or more optimistic after drinking it. Anyone who has used that comforting phrase, a nice cup of tea, invariably means Indian tea. I already want him to fuck off. Yeah, it's like it's a fucking cup of tea, mate. It's something people... People drink like five cups of this shit a day, bollocks to you. Um, Secondly, tea should be made in small quantities. That is, in a teapot. Tea out of an urn is always tasteless, while army tea, made in a cauldron, tastes of grease and whitewash. So he's already just shitting on the idea of, like, you know, builder's tea or, like, you know, tea out of just a large pot. And also, like, like, let's just bear in mind, oh, yeah, soldier's tea made out of cauldron is shit. It's like, they're fucking soldiers trying to make a cuppa. Like, there's that one moment of just uh, levity and a feeling of being at home that they get in that day. And he's like, yeah, it tastes like shit, though, doesn't it? It's like, yes, it probably does, but they're just trying to have a fucking cup of when they're at, at war or whatever. But it's no, like, Lucas, oh uh, he continues, the teapot, because you can't just have any teapot, should be made of china or earthenware. Silverware or Britannia-ware teapots produce inferior tea, and enamel pots are worse. So even judging the quality of the teapot. I mean, which I agree, a- yeah, like... Of course, something like a China teapot is better. But that's also assuming people have like the money to go and buy like China teapots and shit. Not yeah, not everyone has that option. And there is apparently a lot of um, like controversy around teapots. Like have you ever heard the thing about not washing them? Uh no. It does it just yeah. like is it meant to just keep the flavour more? Yeah, and the idea is that washing a teapot like ruins it. And there are like, huge debates online, like, should you ever wash a teapot? And it's like, I'd argue, yeah, because I don't want to drink out of a teapot that's not clean. Anyway, um, thirdly, the pot should be warmed beforehand. This is better done by placing it on the hob than by the usual method of swilling it out with hot water. And that is something that is good because it's just, it just means that it um, retains warmth for a lot longer. Mm-hmm. That's just like common sense. Yeah. But it's not, And that's why if you like, folks out there, now, if you go back into coffee shops and stuff, um, normally they'll keep the mugs on top of um, uh, the machine. Yes, yeah, yeah. Just because it's just easier. Because if you're pouring hot coffee into a cold mug, it gets cold faster. So it's better if it's cold. It's better if it's like you know at least warmed. Yeah. Okay. So, um, fourthly, the tea should be strong for a pot holding a quart. If you're going to fill it evenly to the brim, six heaped teaspoons will be about right in a time of rationing. Um, this is not an idea that can be realised on every day of the week, but I maintain that one strong cup of tea is better than 20 weak ones. All true tea lovers not only like their tea strong, but like it a little stronger with each year that passes. A fact which is recognising the extra ration that is issued to old age pensioners. So he's writing this during fucking rationing, telling people, use all your tea at once to have one cup of tea. Instead of trying to, like, you know, um, uh, stretch it out over a while so you can, in- again, enjoy that small moment of levity each day. Yeah, that's the thing is that sentence nowadays would seem a bit dickish of like oh make sure you use lots of tea all of the time but during rationing are you fucking for real ah fifthly the tea should be put straight into the pot 
No strainers, bags or other devices to imprison the tea. In some countries, teapots are fitted with little dangling baskets under the spout to catch stray leaves, which is supposed to be harmful. Actually, one can swallow tea leaves in considerable quantities without ill effects, and if the tea is not loose in the pot, it never infuses properly. So also, let all the tea leaves go into your tea, so you get that awful, bitter, like, grit on the oh bottom. Oh, God. Ugh. Now, I could take the tea bag, it's fucking awesome, because I'm not sure about you, Lucas, but have you ever had a tea bag split? Um, I've I've had Jenna's tea bag split while I'm making air and, 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 and have you seen how like, the look on her face as she tries to take a sip? Oh no, I would never give someone a cup of tea. Oh, okay, I've That's had it like... happen, but like I immediately no, I'm not giving someone a cup of tea like that. Yeah, because it, it's not nice. It's really bitter. It's gritty. It's just it's not a pleasant experience. Like I want to drink this nice cup of tea. I don't want this fucking awful black grit in my teeth. For, like, the and rest that's of the, day. the that's the downside to when you're having like um, loose leaf tea and putting it in like a little strainer. Is a lot of it gets out. But Lucas, no, you can't use a strainer because that way you're imprisoning the tea. Oh God, fuck's sake. Seventhly, oh no, sorry, sorry. Um, sixthly, one should take the teapot to the kettle, not the other way around. The water should actually be boiling. The, and the moment of impact, which means that one should keep it on the flame while one pours. Some people add one should only use water that's been freshly brought to the boil, but I've never noticed that it makes any difference. So he's actually not bothered about, like, you know, reusing water. But, Lucas, you better pour that boiling water directly onto the tea the instant it comes to the boil and keep it on the hob the entire time because fuck you, you need to make this tea right. I love that he has that moment where he's like, you know what? That doesn't make much of a difference reusing the water, but what does make a difference is the three seconds you're taking the fucking kettle away from the heat to pour your non-freshly boiled water. It smacks of people who say they can taste which side of the hill grapes were grown when they're tasting wine. <laughs> and it's like, it's all bullshit. No one's sense of taste is that acute. Anyway... Mm. Um, uh, seventhly, after making the tea, one should stir it, or better, give the pot a good shake. So take your teapot full of freshly boiled water that is absolutely at its apex of being hot because you've poured it directly in <laughs> to the cup. Pick it up and shake it around because that's oh. not unsafe at all. Oh, health and safety, Carl. The fuck health and safety, man. This is 1946. Oh, about when bin men like broke the backs. Yeah. Uh, eighthly... Uh, one should drink out of a good breakfast cup. That is the, cylindri the cylindrical type of cup, not the flat, shallow type. The breakfast Fuck cup hold holds more, and with other kinds of tea, um, it's always half cold, probably other ones well started on it. So he's no. even dictating the exact kind of cup you should use. No. No. The thing is, oh I, I, can, I can understand that, though, because everyone has their own favourite mug. Yeah, but I don't have a favourite mug. Because, well, this one is a cylindrical shape and it's better for my cup of tea. It's like, no, it's because it's got fucking Mickey Mouse on the side and I like Mickey Mouse. People take this shit super seriously, mate. Ninthly, one should pour off the cream from the milk before using it for tea. Milk that is too creamy always gives tea a sickly taste. And I I, I guess that's got a point. There's a, there is a point to be made here. It's, it's one of the few, like, you know, that actually has some scientific basis behind it. And it is that um, full fat or, like, creamy milk. Um, it's, it sometimes curdles when it's put into tea if the tea is too hot. And that's right. Like, oh, that's like a little bit of science there, which is like the uh, the stated reason why you should never put the milk into tea first, because when boiling water hits milk, um, it can cause it to curdle. Okay. Uh, yeah, I guess I've had that like with coffee before because I remember um, 
someone told me like, oh, um, pour the milk in first on the coffee because then with instant coffee at least you're not burning the coffee granules like when you're pouring the boiling water on. And yeah, yeah. The, it doesn't come out quite right. It does look a bit curdled. Like even though um, uh, the way you make espresso is to put ground up beans and filter freshly boiled water directly through it. But no, you're oh. going to burn the beans, Lucas. Yeah, yeah. It's... I don't... Any... Anyway, tenthly, um, speaking of which, one should pour the tea into the cup first. This is one of the most controversial points of all. Indeed, in every family in Britain, there are probably two schools of thought. The milk first school... Uh, can bring forward some fairly strong arguments, but I maintain that my own argument is unanswerable. That is, by putting the tea in first and stirring as one pours, one can exactly regulate the amount of milk. Yeah, and as I said, there's a little bit of science behind that, but again, it's personal preference. It is, but I'm definitely, most definitely on the side of, like, you know, you put the water in, brew your tea, and then the milk goes in. Yeah, lastly, tea, unless one is drinking it in the Russian style, should be drunk, Without sugar. And again, like, fair enough. I don't have sugar in my tea, but that's because, like, as I mentioned, I, again, very let bad people sweet do tea. whatever the fuck they want. Um, but still, how can you call yourself a true tea lover if you destroy the flavour of your tea by putting sugar in it? It would be yeah. equally reasonable to put in pepper or salt. Tea is meant to be bitter, just as beer is meant to be bitter. If you sweeten it, you are no longer tasting the tea, you are tasting the sugar. You could very well make a similar drink by dissolving sugar in plain hot water. So that's where it's like that's where he crawls all the way into his own ass to sniff his farts. Yeah, and I've had like those, you know, coffee snobs tell me, why the fuck are you putting sweetener in your coffee? Like, it ruins the taste of the coffee. And it's like, but I I like my coffee to be a mixture of bitter and sweet. Like, it's all personal people, preference again. Leave me alone. People, uh, all the people get mad at the idea of things like mockers. Or oh, yeah, yeah. Like even stuff like cappuccinos, which is like you think one of the purest kinds of coffee there is. It's like it's coffee and just like very like stretched milk. Yeah. Uh, and if anyone doesn't know what stretchy means, it means you just um, use a steamer. So I used to like uh, I'm barista trained, but I'm not sure there's that terminology. I just know you use this steamer thing and you stretch the milk and it's between like I think like five and ten percent stretched. And by stretch, I mean like you uh, fluff it up enough where it starts to like get bubbles and boils in it. Yeah. So it looks like the milk is expanding because you are, you're putting like a little bit of milk and when you've stretched it, it's like, oh, there's more milk. That's mm-hmm. because you've, there's bubbles there. And 5 to 10% for a flat white, 10 to 20 for a latte, and 20 to 30 for an, um, a cappuccino. And then you I, I the couldn't tell you the like the numbers behind it, but I've, like, I've been trained how to make a coffee and like been told I make good like lattes and cappuccinos, but I, that's more like just doing it by hand. Yeah, I'm not familiar with the exact terminology, but it's one of those things I yeah. do want to buy one day a professional-grade coffee machine, but I can never justify the cost of myself because they're like three fucking grand. Well, that's the thing is, Jen and I are both the same of like, we both worked in like restaurants and been barista trained and like, Jenna worked in a cafe and it's like, we'd love to get, yeah, a proper coffee machine, but they're so expensive. They are that well. is like a fucking uh, one day when I'm hopefully rich kind of goals. Yeah, and the thing is, the actual quality, the jumping quality of the coffee from something that's like, you know, just those cafetiers you can get and things, it's not that great. It's minimal jumping quality and also means like you have to buy more shit, be on top of maintenance of your machine more, yeah. and you have to take more time making every cup of coffee. And as well, you also, like Mr. Orwell here, have to shove your head all the way into your anus. 
to smell them farts because yeah, I've that is met, true. That is true. Because I just said coffee snobs, they are insufferable when it comes to this sort of thing. Just like uh, Mister Orwell tea snob over here. Yeah, try drinking your tea without sugar. So some people just like sugar. Some people just like the taste of sugar. It's like um, where he says like beer's meant to be bitter, and it's similar like beer snobs. Have you encountered beer snobs before? Um, I drink cider, but I've encountered many cider snobs as well. Yeah, where it's like, oh, that cider's too sweet. Cider's supposed to be sour. Yeah, or just in general, like, oh well, that's not a proper craft cider. And I'm like, okay. My favourite one is like I've I drink cider. Um, I've drunk like you no know, um, scrumpy and stuff like. It's like, oh yeah, cider has to be still and it has to be warm. Because sometimes though, I don't want to drink warm, still, like cloudy cider that tastes like um, sour sweets from when I was a kid on a really hot day. Sometimes I just want a cold, bubbly drink. Again, though, like I, I do drink that kind of cider sometimes, but I drink whatever the hell I'm in the mood for at the time. And like the fact that someone will turn around and go, "That isn't the right type yeah. of cider," or "That isn't the right way to drink a cider." Oh, like fuck off. Leave it's weird. I, like, there's a lot of snobs regarding like just liquids and how you imbibe them. Because like, there are tea snobs. I've not met a tea snob, but I'm aware of them. Because even like you know, um, I, there's a lot of controversy around how to make tea properly. And then you have like. Uh, bags like what kind of like tea do you buy and you get like specially surprised like the coffee ones were insufferable when i used to work um like serving coffee yeah when when you get people in they'll be querying you about where do you get your beans from and i'd hold up the fucking bag and say it's here it's like oh where do they come from and i don't care where they come from a man in a van all you need to know is that they're ethically sourced mm-hmm. why do you give a shit about anything else yeah like i've had i've had people ask like you know Oh, what brand of coffee is it? And like, where is it coming from? It's like, look, this is the brand. If you want to find out more, just like give them a Google. Again, it's like all that you need to know is like, it's fair trade coffee. Yeah, it's fair trade and it's ethically sourced and the people who provi- uh, produced it got paid a fair wage. That should be the only thing you care about. And then just like having them. And I get it. If it's not like, you know, made right. I, I pride myself on like making it right first time. But having people look over your shoulder while you're trying to make them their coffee and go, are you sure you're stretching that enough, mate? So well, I make like a hundred of these a day. But <laughs> yeah, I, I guess I, I, your help is needed. I have had um, both ends of the spectrum of like, oh, I've had ones where like customers have been like, this coffee is not good enough. And then I've seen other people go, no, it's fine. As I'm walking past and it's like, that is not a cappuccino. Like, I'm sorry, I'll go get a different one. Uh, but like I've had it as well where I've been training like people and especially younger people who are you know maybe like 16 to 18 year olds when I've been mm-hmm. training them uh, and it's just like oh look I don't really drink coffee like I don't know what a cappuccino is let alone how to make one and then you always get that person like making the snobby remark of like why the hell don't you know what a cappuccino is it's like just they're 18 like they don't drink it Leave them alone. I'm going to teach them how to make one now. It's like this, they're 18. This is their first job. Oddly enough, they probably don't have like four pounds to spend on a cappuccino randomly. Because yeah. I know when I was a fucking kid, I didn't have the money to do that. It's like I get a 20p can of pop and that's about all I can afford. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's, a, it's very snobbish and it does like it does frustrate me. And we can like, you know, lead that into just the idea of like, why don't you just spend X amount of money to make to get good thing? Of like the conversation we've had like earlier in the week about yeah. like all the stuff getting revealed about games consoles and stuff, mm-hmm. and just the weird elitism and snobbishness of p- 
people regarding PCs and how angry they get at the idea that um, why don't you just buy a PC? Because I'm, I'm very, I uh, feel very strongly about this. I grew up in a household with not a lot of money, and um, we had to save for a very long time, um, I, you know, as a family, and then me, myself as an individual as I grew older to mm-hmm. afford even something like a game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, so I have a lot of empathy for kids who maybe are in a similar situation. Mm-hmm. I had brothers growing up, me and my brothers wanted to play games together. And I, I feel for my parents because they, they did go out of their way to like make sure we always had like two controllers and things like that. Yeah. And then to see people just so casually discard the idea of like um, a second controller costing like nigh on a hundred pounds mm-hmm. because it has the new shiny thing in it infuriates me to no end. Yeah, because we see a lot of like comments when we suggest like maybe they shouldn't cram all this shit into like the new dual sense, for example. Uh, controller because look it's going to double the cost of what a normal pad would be and people are like yeah but just buy another one yeah it's like but not everybody has like 60 to 100 pounds to just drop on a fucking new controller or a second oh. controller or oh, the argument and uh, that was on oh, not argument like the uh, the things i was highlighting on twitter a couple of weeks ago mm-hmm. um when i was just like some guy was very sagely pointed out well, um, if if you take into account everything you'd spend buying a games console, such as Xbox Live or PlayStation Plus, um, buying a couple of games every month at full price, buying an extra controller and all that sort of thing, mm-hmm. overall, over the, co- the course of the console generation, you'd spend enough to be able to just buy a PC. And he said that as if it was like this genius observation nobody had ever made of, if you, say, uh, if you buy things outright without... Um, if you buy things outright, it's cheaper than paying for them over time. It's like, everyone fucking knows that, but <laughs> not everybody has the ability to fork out the £600 immediately, day one. But they might have similar, the ability to... Yeah, it's it's like weirdly similar to the argument um, where me and you have both pointed out, like, look, it's kind of bullshit that um, PlayStation aren't letting you use PS4 controllers for PS5 games. Like, But Xbox, you know, have done the good thing of... Oh yeah, your Xbox One controllers will all work on like the Series S and X, and we've been like, that's great, awesome. It is, yeah, because I've got like two of those controllers, and I bought one recently for like fifty pounds, and that's not an insignificant amount of money to a lot of people. And I'm glad that that investment is going to pay off for like yeah. you know the next console generation. And then you get other people going like, oh, but I don't want to use the old controller. I'll buy some new ones. And it's, it's like, like I don't see what you. the problem is. Like I'll just buy four new controllers. It's like, well done you for having the like, the capital to be able to do that. That's not an option available to a lot of people. And, um, yeah, it's like, as well, we've uh, recently seen the announcement of, like, the as I mentioned, the Xbox Series S as well as the X, and there's a lot of online people go, well, I don't understand who the, uh, the Xbox Series S is meant to be for, because why wouldn't you pay for the one that's 4K? It's like, because not everyone has a, like, a two grand 4K television. Not everyone has the extra £200 to spend on the console either. And that's one thing. It infuriates me to no end to see how casually people would dismiss um, figures like £100, £200, £50 as an mm-hmm. insignificant amount in the grand scheme of things. Like, no, that is the difference between, you know, eating and paying rent and, like, you know, living for a lot of people. I mean, and I is- literally worked in a restaurant for, like, five years where a lot of us were, like, like living week to week on a wage and i it 
Uh, it offends me on a moral level to see like, how casually and how callously people will just like just discard the ideas of things like that because fuck, like, fuck them, it's not me. Mm-hmm. It's like, fuck you, got mine. And the one that really got me um, is this guy, again, like sagely pointing out that, because I, I use the comparison of, um, like when highlighting how stupid the argument of it's like just buy one outright first day it's like oh yeah just buy a house instead of renting one thinking that that uh, comparison like will highlight how stupid this line of thinking is <laughs> to which the guy doubled down by saying well yeah renting's just dead money why don't you just get a mortgage instead it's like are you a fucking moron yep I, and I can reveal this like, I run a successful YouTube channel like, mm-hmm. I have a very well-paying job because I am my own boss and pay my own wage. Yep. And the channel earns good money. I have an accountant with like, I've got two years of figures to show that, yeah, I'm running a successful channel. Um, here are all my outgoings. It makes a profit every single month. Um, I cannot get a mortgage because my job is too, um, what's the word for it now? Insecure? Uh, insecure. There's not enough security in my, like, um, my earnings. Mm. Um, to apply for a mortgage and I am in an incredibly comfortable position from a monetary standpoint mm-hmm. God knows what it's fucking like for people working week to week who can like you know barely pay their like rent as it is yeah and like the I, I and I would be if I was in that person's situation and saw someone just so casually just shitting all over them by saying you are an idiot for not just getting a mortgage like, I fucking can't I can't yeah bear in like, mind like you have to have a good amount saved up to even think about getting a mortgage. Yeah, and I recently encountered this with my mother. Mm. Uh, my mother has been paying rent for about like 20 fucking years. Yeah. And uh, she has recently just managed to get herself a mortgage thanks to a government scheme to like, help people like, buy houses to get rid of old council houses. Oh, okay. And, like, just seeing her sit down and go, well, I pay... I don't know the exact figures, but it's like £500 in rent a month. Mm-hmm. Uh, my mortgage is £300. Mm-hmm. But when she applied for a mortgage without this government scheme, she was told no because she wouldn't be able to afford the repayments, even though the repayments are literally a fraction of what her current rent is, which she has been paying every week or every month on the dot for 20 years straight with absolutely... Um, uh, like no problems no faults or anything like that yeah and that's the thing that if you and then to see some smarmy dickhead online i've got you an idiot for doing that so oh yeah why oh you're an idiot for but i you only had to you're an idiot for only buying the digital um xbox instead of just saving up and buying a pc yep and it's like like, why um why didn't you just have like 10 grand saved up to put down on like a mortgage for a house car it's it's difficult Not, not everyone is you and it's really difficult to explain to people that are so like, have such a selfish line of thinking of just not everybody is you. Yeah. Do you understand this? Do you understand that not everybody is in your exact situation? That there are people, many people who are worse off, and maybe don't have like you know the benefits um, of like the apparent comfort with which you live in regards to money. And like, no, fuck it, I don't care. And it's just so. Um... I don't know whether it is difficult for people to put themselves in anyone else's place or whether they just would rather not. I think it's just they don't care. Because Yeah, that, that's what I mean. I was about to say, I think it's very difficult for people to put themselves in someone else's shoes, but I don't think that it's difficult a lot of the time. I think it's that most people just can't be asked to. Um, and as well, you can always tell when somebody has never experienced like the kind of hardships that we're talking about of like living week to week. Mm-hmm. Um, and my 
favorite example of this is known bigger and horrible person J.K. Rowling. Mm. And like uh, J.K. Rowling has said on numerous occasions um, that when she wrote the first Harry Potter book, she was living on the breadline. She was a, a single mother living on government assistance. And there's like that's fair enough. Like that's like, there's a lot of people living on government assistance. Like I, I, my mum did for a while. I, yeah, um, I yeah, lived I've, on um, like job seekers allowance for nearly a year before I found my first job. Yeah, like I've I've been there. I've lived in a household where that was the case. Like, it's mm-hmm. fucking grim. But here's the thing where you can tell that she's absolutely full of shit because when like she's trying to emphasize how little money she had and like the the, the hardship she faced, uh, she uses the example of. Um, because I couldn't afford to heat my house, I would go to a nearby cafe and write the book there. And that's how you can tell she's full of shit because nobody who is in that dire of a straits thinks to themselves, I'm going to go to a cafe and buy a cup of tea. And also, I because don't they know don't where have... the fuck she lived, but if it costs like more than a cup of coffee to heat her house for a couple of hours, what the fuck? Well, the thing is, like, I think her suggestion is, oh, I went there and just used their heat to do it. But here's the thing, uh, because I've been in that situation, I know people have been in that situation. Like, People who are in that dire straits and have that moment, they're embarrassed, because we were. Like, you, you don't want to go somewhere because you're embarrassed about like, maybe the prospect of being asked to buy something where you know you can't. And that's oh, how you can right, tell yeah. she is 100% full of shit about how hard up she was. Mm-hmm. Because even in like you know her wildest scenarios for how poor and how bad it can get for someone she still has enough money to buy a cup of coffee or a cup of tea at a cafe yep and that's how you know she is like making it up that's the thing though like i think if you added up the say she went five days a week to a cafe in what i presume like london or something i'm Um, not sure where exactly it was but but you know it's not true yeah, That's but if she did that and bought a cup of coffee, just a cup of coffee every day, five days a week, that would probably be more expensive than heating her house for, or flat for the month. Yeah, which is like, you know, it leads into that thing of like, oh yeah, you can afford a house if you just don't buy avocado toast. <laughs> but um, that's one of those things like about her backstory that she loves telling. Mm-hmm. And she loves telling people about that story. And it's only when I got older and look back on my own upbringing and realize she is so full of shit. Yeah, because nobody in that situation thinks like I'm going to go to a, a place and like you know just use their heat. Mm-hmm. Or, like they especially don't go to a place where you're expected to buy something to take advantage of stuff like that because they do not have the money to do so. Exactly. And it, just hi- and it just highlights how privileged that person is. Where even in that imagine like, that when they imagine the worst it can possibly get for someone, they still imagine having money. Yeah, they imagine having the money to go to a cafe and buy a cup of coffee every single day. Like and that's ideas. as poor as she could possibly be in yeah, her head. Like the the idea, like as bad as it can possibly get for a person, is like you know, a, a level of comfort. Some people will probably be like, "That's great. I'd love to be able to afford a cup of coffee. I'd love to be able to go to a fucking cafe, and just sit down for three hours on my mm-hmm. and you know, not have to worry about all the shit I've got to do around the house." Yep, and uh, it's similar to kind of the all uh, the traditional posts you see of like. Um, young people on like Facebook or whatever going there. Oh, I'm 21. I, I paid bought off my, my first mortgage. house, and it's they're like... amazing. I want to bring one of them up now because there's a, like, oh there's a legendary God. one. But uh, what are your thoughts on that, Luke? While I find it, well, more like okay, you might have worked hard, but you find out about most of those posts. And say, oh yeah, um, 
either like you got inheritance for the down payment on the house or like oh I was supported by my parents as I saved up and they paid for all of my my food they didn't ask me for rent like I comfortably lived without any pay like you know any outgoings for years on end so that I could work a job and pay for this house yeah, I'm trying to find like the the legendary one. Mm. Da, da, da. Where, where is it? So there's a there's a very famous like specific article. Where it is like exactly like you said, some smarmy shithead in their mid twenties going, "Here's how I paid off like four hundred thousand mm-hmm. dollars of um, uh, like uh, student loan in five years." And it's like, first of all, I moved in with my parents into their second home. Yeah. And like the other, like they got given a house from someone, then rented it out to a friend, and then got all the rent from that, and then moved into. Like, it's so simple, Carl. It's so simple. Like, it's just, so simple. Just, like just inherit thousands and thousands of fucking. Like I just, I love it when like people turn around and go like, "It's so easy to save money." Says like twenty-eight-year-old per- person living at the parents' house, like never having paid anything. To them, like I even when I lived with my parents, and like even when I was um, on job seekers, I was like living with yeah. mom. She was still like, "Can you put at least a bit towards rent every month?" Like, yeah, I've I've experienced pay your this contribution. Too. I've not been able to uh, find the meme or the article because I'm just like googling paid off house in five years. And I'm just getting unironically those <laughs> examples. <laughs> it's like, god damn it! But, uh, but yeah, uh, this is something I, I encountered, and I was really confused by it because um, there is a. I guess it must be a uniquely British concept. It's like on an American forum, and every person on there was like baffled by this concept, and it is bored. Uh, the idea is that when you come of age um, in the UK, and it seems like it's like a more northern thing, I guess. Uh, um, I'm not. I'm not specifically sure because, like, I know Janice from the Midlands, and like they all paid some uh, some keep towards the house when they got a job, which was usually like you know 16, 17, 18, that kind of age. But I just mean it more in the sense that in places where, like, the cost of living is slightly lower because, yeah, in London, you can't really expect your fucking kid to just move out the moment they turn 18. I mean, you can't really expect anyone to at this day. Not, not at this point, no, but um, it's the idea of paying board. And um, I never did pay board because I, um, when I was, the deal my parents had with me and the deal they had with all, um, all the kids is if you are in higher education and you are living at home, um, you you can you don't have to pay any board or rent, but mm-hmm. if you get a job, or you don't get a job and you go on to job seekers allowance, you're on the dole. Um, a percentage of it goes towards like the maintenance of the house to teach you responsibility. Yeah, and as well because you're an adult now, pay your own fucking way. I cannot afford to run this house with like three adults in it or whatever the fuck. Yeah, sure. And like, uh, yeah, it's a fairly common thing in the UK. Yeah, and it it's not like um. One of those where, for example, in my family, like, it wasn't a case of, look, we can't afford the rent. It was more like, look, um, ju- like, give me £100 a month. It's not much, but it'll teach you some sense of, like, I'd say a bit of responsibility and just having to budget yourself a little bit. And it's not necessarily like, look, pay your actual, like, cost because i'm sure me you know having a a fifth of the payment on the house or like a fifth of the food in the house or whatever mm-hmm. would come to a lot more than 100 pound a month but just a little bit but it's that thing of like yeah like 
it would be helpful if you contributed to the house. But I remember reading on a forum about this concept. It was just, someone asked me, like, oh, so how much do you pay in board? Mm. And some Americans, like, they were, like, seemingly, like, offended at the idea their parents would ask them for money. And then there were parents themselves going, I can never imagine asking my children to con- contribute to the household. I would feel, like... I am your, I'm their parent. It's my obligation to care for them. It's like, well, well done fucking you for being able to fully support a, like an adult in your house with no extra money. Not everyone is in that fucking situation. No, they're not. And like genuinely sometimes it is a case of, look, like it costs a lot of money to have you as an adult living here. You eat more food. You're like probably using more electricity and stuff. It's like... And plus, you probably have an income of some kind. Mm-hmm. I need your help because you can help out. But it was just like, uh, just one of those things, like just seeing people. And you, you, again, you can look at it and go, you have never struggled for anything in your life, like monetarily or in a like financial sense, because mm-hmm. the idea of like not being able to afford necessities. Yeah has never occurred to you or never been something you've experienced. Because if it had been, you would completely 100% um, understand this um, uh, concept. Yeah, and it's um, it's very telling to meet the kind of people that haven't ever had to like contribute towards the house. Like, oh, um, never in any to, way. Uh... I remember like when I was in my second year of uni, I lived with someone who clearly came from like quite a well-off family. And um, it was, like, around Christmas time, and just before, like, my um, second loan payment was coming in to, you know, give me a bit of extra money. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was very, very, like, I was low on my overdraft. So, like, not only was I, like, in minus money already, I almost ran out of the limit on my minus amount of money. Yes. Um, and then this flatmate came back from, like, Christmas break was like, oh, man, my parents only gave me, like, two cooler bags full of steaks. <laughs> Just only. Like, on, like normally, they have way more stuff to give me. And it's like, what? Yeah. Like, normally, they send me home with hampers and everything. And it's like, oh, my God, I, I can't afford food for the next week. And you're sitting around going, like, oh, man, they only gave me 30 steaks when I came back. <laughs> It's like uh, we had a mutual friend, didn't we? And like he kind of he grew as a person uh, as we got to know him. But initially, he was like from a a slightly, uh, I guess, more not I don't want to say privileged, but just um, I guess um, more resource uh, resourceful. Not, what's the word I'm trying to think of now to be polite? So does um, sound like a does like I'm being a dick. I'm not sure. Just just a uh, like just. I guess more financially stable background. Yeah, sure. And whenever we complained about, you know, the fact that like, we're poor students and we can't mm. afford out, he'd always just say, "Do you remember Lucas? What the state the joke became in our friend group was? If anyone had any problems, all you need to do is get a full time job." Oh shit! Of course. If you remember yeah. that, and yeah, yeah, yeah. It became a running gag in our friend group of whenever anybody was in trouble or like, had any issues, it's like. Well, all you need to do is get a full-time job as if you can just walk out there and get a full-time job like that. Yeah. 
because this person had um, gotten a full-time job through their university course. Yeah, yeah. So they had gotten a guaranteed job through their university course and just had never experienced what it's like to actively have to seek out a job when you have no skills because you're a fucking student. Yeah, and that's the thing is, like, um, when I was, like, in college and whatnot, I didn't have a job. So I had, A, very little skills, and B, just no work experience in general. Like, the only work experience I'd had was spending a few weeks in a law office so it's like no fucking restaurant's gonna want that mm-hmm. it's just that thing isn't it of uh, again you can tell that the person has never actually had to do the thing they're talking about mm-hmm. because if they had they wouldn't be saying it as flippantly as just get a full-time job so have you any idea how fucking hard it is to get a full-time job when you have no fucking skills and you're a student and you have very specific um uh, like hours you can work yeah, it's. I mean, it's difficult enough when you have full availability to go and get a job. See, I want to get a job, but I can only. I can't work these days because I'm at uni. It was all. Why would I hire them? Yeah, and also it's like, why would I not go and hire a 16 year old that I have to pay half the wage that's available all the time? But Lucas, all you've got to do is get a full time job. All you've got to do. Yeah, all, it's all you got to do. All you got to do is get a full time job and get a mortgage. It's really easy. Like life yeah. lessons, guys. Like if you didn't yeah. know. All you need to do is get a full-time job and get a mortgage. Uh, go buy a car, I guess, as well. Like you know, yeah, buy a, buy a car so you know you can get to work and you can travel to work. And then make sure as well that if you like, you know, for entertainment purposes, buy a three and a half thousand pound PC to serve as your entertainment center and a four K TV so you can take advantage of the features that they have. Oh no, just um, like don't buy, ask, don't ask your don't husband for nine hundred thousand yeah. dollars a month for entertainment. Yeah, I like, don't buy uh, the cheap one because overall you'll pay more. Uh, because you'll be paying, like, you know, over time. And if people don't know, if you pay for things over time, it sometimes costs more than if you just buy it outright. I had um, a friend that moved into, like, a house and, um, you know, took the step with their partner to um, go from, like, a fully furnished rented place to an unfurnished mm-hmm. place. And that's a big jump. It is, yeah. I did that recently. Because, like, when you've got... When you're living in a fully furnished place, it's not like you have anywhere to put any of your own furnishings so you can't buy them over time and i literally had another friend like a mutual friend of ours turn around to them and get annoyed when they went to you know a place that um gives you like credit i can't remember um exactly how to to word it but you know where it's like look you do monthly payments on these pieces of furniture yeah and they were livid at the idea of like you're spending more money over time on all of these bits of furniture and they're like yeah but if we bought like furniture outright we'd be able to buy like one piece of furniture at like per month for a full house it's like some people just do not have the money to do this it's like all we'd be able to do is buy a fridge freezer and then we'd have no furniture It's like then they then they'll get smart and say, "Why don't you go buy it from a second hand shop?" It's because we haven't got the fucking time to troll around second hand because we've got to work. Yeah. It's like, oh, why don't you just go online and buy one from someone and then go pick it up for delivery? It's like then I've got to spend all the time finding it. Then I have to buy it. Then I have to get someone with a van to drive to the person's house and pick it up. Mm-hmm. And then it just it's not under warranty. It's like sometimes this is like the the, the option that is available to me that is makes sense for my situation. Fuck you, I don't have. Any other choice? Oh, God. It is infuriating that just people live in such a weird bubble. 
Um, I cannot um, understand why you would do the thing. You're not doing it perfectly the way that I would. Just because I'm not fucking you, am I? <laughs> the one that I like, though, is uh, we can talk about I, um, I, I recently moved into a house that's unfurnished. It had all the white goods, which I think, uh, Americans, that's a fridge, freezer, washing machine, that sort of thing. Uh, yeah, so like that, that was similar to ours. We moved in unfurnished and we had all fridge, a freezer, and a washing machine provided. Yeah, which is a fairly common thing in the UK. Mm-hmm. where houses will be listed as unfurnished, but you still have a fridge, freezer, um, washing machine, that sort of thing. So they're usually built in or just left behind because they're very difficult to take out. Yeah. Like, because once an oven's been bought and installed, if you move out of there, unless it's a really expensive fucking oven, you don't really want the hassle of disconnecting the oven from the place like, From the gas left, or the electric or whatever. And like, yeah, also hauling around and installing an oven in the new place. Is a ball leg, it's and as we just talked yeah. about, sometimes it is just cheaper um, in terms of a time it saves to so just buy a new one, which is like besides the point. But I moved into a new place, I had no furniture, and um, I was looking for a bed. Yes, I wanted a bed. I'm like, I, I need a bed. So I looked and I went, all these things like three, four hundred pounds at least for a bed. And I'm looking at, I'm going, these look shit. Not only, is it, not only do they look shit, they're massive. They're going to be a ball ache to get into my house. I've got to build it. And then if I move, I've got to deconstruct it and take it all out. Because mm-hmm. there's no fucking way I'm getting out of stairs. So what I did instead is I bought a mattress and put it on the floor. Can confirm. Can confirm I have a mattress on the floor. So like, you've seen the pictures, haven't you? And I, no, I've been to your flat. Did you go to my flat before lockdown? Yeah, yeah. I, was at, I stayed at your flat a few times before lockdown. Oh, right, yeah. I was just, I was, couldn't remember if like, I moved just as lockdown kicked in. Before the dark times. Before the dark times, yeah. And you've seen, like, I made it look classy, haven't I? Yeah, you have, yeah. I bought, it I does bought look real, classy. I bought really nice sheets. I bought, like, uh, non-slip mats that goes on the floor, and I always make sure my bed's made. But it looks nice. Mm-hmm. But I've not got a bed frame, because a bed frame costs, like, £400, and it is basically useless to See, me. Because... Yeah, like, the way that we kind of counteracted that the price of the bed frame is we got one which is um like kind of like an ottoman bed frame where you lift up and you the have, mattress and the storage underneath you have storage underneath yes but i just decided look I, it's not important to me my girlfriend doesn't mind she doesn't get shit yeah so I, the first thing i did is i checked with her would you mind yeah that's that's something you've got to double check and i made sure that i bought really really nice sheets um i got like a, a mattress i think off amazon for like 150 pounds it's not a great mattress i'm thinking about buying a better one but I thought, like, the thing that I really care about is whether or not it's comfortable. So I spent my money instead on getting, like, not a great quality mattress, but I got a decent mattress. I got um, uh, really nice sheets, really fluffy pillows, really, really, uh, and then a really fluffy duvet. So I thought, yeah. that's the thing that you really care about. That's the thing that provides the comfort, not the actual bed frame itself. Mm-hmm. And then I had a similar approach with uh, my wardrobes, because I looked and went, wardrobes, again, four or five hundred pounds at least. For this massive, unwieldy thing that is going to be a ball ache to one build and two just move, if like if, if not around the house, like to a new place. Meaning I'll probably have to leave it behind, and then the next person who moves in will just have it because, like fuck, I'm getting a fully built mattress, uh, fully built wardrobe all the way down, yeah. and out of the building without causing some damage. Mm-hmm. So what I did instead, and uh, if you've been around, you've seen this. I bought shelving. Yep. I bought shelves instead, and instead of having all my stuff hung up, I have it all folded very neatly like you would in a store and stacked. And I think it looks nice. I think it looks really classy because it's a more It does look classy, plan. yeah. And then I bought like a, uh, I got that for 50 quid, and then I got like a 20 pound um, uh, railing, um, of like a just a portable 
uh, uh, wardrobe rail, and I yeah. put that into a corner of my room. And again, and I have all my suits, uh, my jackets, and like my heavier clothes on there, stacked up, and it has a thing on the bottom of my shoes. And it's, it's this really nice open plan uh, thing, and it encourages me as well to keep things tidy because if it's not tidy, it makes like, if my stuff's not all folded up nice, it doesn't look very good. And it yeah, also I, me- I will definitely say that. It does look classy, and you keep it very, very tidy. Yeah, and it's minimalist as well, because it I, is minimalist, before yeah. I moved, I got rid of so much stuff that I didn't want, and mm. I just had no use for, and it really helped me with that. But at the same time, I think that looks good. My girlfriend likes it. I think my house looks classy, but I've had uh, people when I shared the photos and stuff online, like, oh, look, this is what my house looks like. I'm really happy, because I've like, you know, bought furniture for the first time. Mm-hmm. People are, like The one that really got me, the one that made me laugh, is uh, when I showed my bed off. Some guy's like, it looks all right, but where's your TV? Ah, uh, right, yeah. And I remember my girlfriend's going, you can tell that uh, it really says everything you need to know about that guy, that the only thing you can think about doing in bed is watching TV. <laughs> and and like, like, I, yeah. I don't mind. Uh, I've got, like, my literal, like, maybe 10, 11, 12-year-old TV that's, like, it's only, it's like, in 30 court. inches or whatever in the bedroom, but that's because, like, I um, I go to bed hours later than Jenna anyway, yeah, and I, um, I like to have something to keep me a bit preoccupied, like, to you have go like to back, sleep. You have background noise. I do the same thing, like a laptop, where I'll face it towards the wall, but, like, put an old video on or something, just, like, as white mm. noise for the background. But it's just, I think, I thought it looked so classy, but always everything's like, well, where's the TV, though? And that's the thing is, like, in your room specifically, um, you've got, like, nice, big, uh, like, floor-to-ceiling windows with a really nice view, and the first thing that people think of is, like, put, put a TV in front of it. <laughs> Yeah, so why would I do that when I've got this really awesome view that I can look out on mm-hmm. when I wake up? Uh, so I just thought like that was the solution I found to these things. Like, and again, there was some resistance here. Like my dad when he came round and he was like really hesitant. Oh, he was like really like apprehensive, I should say, about the the when I described my flat to him and I told him I didn't have a mat- I didn't have a bed frame. He's like, you have a mattress on the floor. I'm like, yeah, yeah, I have it on the floor, and it's like you know I have really big comfy. Um, uh, pillows and sheets and it's all folded up all nice and I've got like an ottoman at the end that has like spare bedding in it to frame everything and keep everything in place mm-hmm. and then I don't have wardrobes I have like just you no know, open plan shelving with stuff folded up all nice on it and then he came around and he saw my place oh yeah it is nice like, I wouldn't personally have it like so I've got too much stuff mm. yeah but I was like just the idea of people get like, actively getting annoyed at the way I live because it's not the way they do it it reminded me of that of what we've been talking about like oh that, that's I don't like that. He goes, well, you don't have to live here, do you? I do. And I like it. Yeah, and that's the thing is that I um, I quite like minimalist stuff, but I definitely have like, a lot more things than you do. Yeah, I um, proper down. So I have a bit more of like a half and half kind of like some bits look minimalist and some bits look like a little bit more like, you know, like cosy, homely kind of vibe. Yeah. Um, but that's just because like, I've got more stuff than you. That's a personal preference. You're not going to come round to my flat and go, Lucas, I don't like this. Yeah. Uh, but I did get that. Of, oh, that bed, uh, it looks really bad. That you don't yeah, because you like put up a picture on Twitter and I did see the comments of just like, what the fuck are you doing? Oh, the fact that um, the place that I live is um, a retrofitted older building. Yeah. Um, so all the cladding and stuff has been removed from the walls. So it's exposed brick and concrete. And people and were just like, why are you living in a bunker, Carl? It's like you, it looks like I live in a concrete bunker. It's like, I think it looks nice. Because when you've got the windows open, it's like I like the aesthetic of just everything is clean and open. Mm-hmm. 
And it really goes with like my shelves as well. Where I got like wrought iron shelving with wood on them. I think they look good. And then in the kitchen recently, I, I, this is where I knew I was getting older, when uh, we recently rearranged my entire kitchen. Yeah. And um, what I did, I have open plan again um, shelves for stuff, where all there's no um, doors on my cupboards, so everything's just out on display. Um, oh, right, had, yeah. uh, so we've got some metal shelving that I had just some random tidbits on. I put all my food on there in the yeah. corner. So all my dry perishables are on this like nice metal shelving unit. And um, that's na- next to the kitchen. So everything's just out on display. Yeah, sure. And then I use like the cupboard to hide away all like my cleaning stuff. Mm-hmm. And I think it looks really nice. And then I bought some like mason jars and I filled them with like dry pasta, dry rice. Yeah, um, that's cus- always like a, a cool, nice aesthetic. Like couscous, stuff like that. And then yeah. we have like um, one for lemons and then I have all my tea. Took that out and put them in like glass jars. And I think it looks nice. But again, uh, when my dad came around, I was like, well, I don't like that, son. I don't, I don't like seeing it out on display. I went, I think it looks all right. It's classy. I think it looks classy. It's open plan. It's minimalist. It's like, no, no, you got to have it in the cupboard. you got to have your tea tucked away. And again, like, Carl, does your dad live there and see that every day? No, he doesn't now. No, you do. But that, but that one you mentioned, yeah, the amount of comments, like, it looks shit, like you're in a concrete bunker. It's like, it's really, it's a really classy place, I feel. It and is I, a classy I, place. I, and the way that, like, I would um, describe the vibe, as I think we've mentioned this before, like, but like industrial chic. Yeah. I wouldn't say that person. I just say it's um there's just not a lot of shit on the walls. And that that's the thing is, yeah, like obviously to that kind of person, you just being like, oh, well, it's industrial chic kind of vibe. They'd be like, what the fuck? Which what it, for? it just means but, yeah. it just means exposed concrete and brick. It's like um, when I went to Los Angeles and uh, for that charity gig and they put me up in a flat. Yeah. And the flat they put me up is it's similar to the one I'm in now. Where it was, uh, but more open plan. But it was like a maisonette, where it was two leveled. It was two leveled, and it, again, it had the exposed concrete on one wall, mm. and the other wall was like looking out into Los Angeles. And it was like just ultra modern, really sleek. It just had like one bed in the corner, like none of that fancy bed frames. It was like a mattress low down to the floor, and then a maisonette, a second mattress up there. Yeah. And like, I thought that looked so fucking classy and clean and minimalist. Mm-hmm. And then when I we recorded a video there, I think, uh, to say, oh, yeah, we're going to be doing a charity event tomorrow if anyone wants to come along. Oh, yeah. And the amount of people, like, why are you recording in this concrete bunker? Uh, it's just like, oh, dear. Uh, I, this is a really, really expensive apartment that I've been put up in. Like, this is, like, a really nice, classy place. Like, this thing probably costs a fucking fortune because it's mm-hmm. so nice. And the building that I'm in is in, like, downtown Los Angeles. This is a really, it's like a super classy loft. Yeah, and it's ultra modern and everything, and it's like all the mod cons. And like, but the people seeing it go, oh, I don't like it. And I guess just not everything is for everyone. It's not. It's not. But I, I'd, I'd not encountered just such strange pushback to something that I like until I experienced that because I was like really excited, like, oh yeah, it's really cool. But then to have people just actively tell me it looks like I'm living um, in like Chernobyl. Oh God, it was very strange considering like how proud I was of like. Like the the um, the juxtaposition, yeah. Uh, for some people telling me it looked nice, and then some people telling me it looks awful. It's like wow. But it does remind me of that great picture. I need to find this. Oh, okay. Last so, thing is, I I don't know where you're going with this one, Carl. Yeah, it's just more. It's a a picture I was reminded of a while ago. Oh right, okay, yeah. And it's just, have you managed to like find it for my eyes only? Apparently. Uh, yeah, I'm going to just. I'm just going to send you the image. 
just the image because it's great. Uh, because I have met this exact person. We're delving back into the audio-only part of the podcast. Yes, yeah, it's everyone's favourite part of the podcast where Lucas describes images. So just read out what's on screen. I'll just describe it to you. Oh, okay, yeah, I've seen this one before. Yeah, and it's, so just uh, describe it. So it's the, the tweet is, uh, guys really live in apartments like this and, uh, and don't see any issue with it. And what do you see, Lucas? And the apartment is just completely barren apart from, like... A TV, presumably with a games console, um, hooked up to it. It looks like it, yeah. And just one lone armchair facing the like TV in the middle of the room with a like Xbox or player like PlayStation controller on it. And then you've got like a four gang in the middle of the floor with like a phone charger in it. It's like that. It just oh god. That's what I imagine when people say. Which they talk about how like they don't like the way people live or when they make fun of like girls' houses and stuff when they've got all like cushions and stuff. Yeah. I've been to people's houses like that and it's not because they're hard up, it's just they just do not give a shit. Uh, yeah, I, I I've literally like way. been to friends' places where it's similar to this of like, look, all I do here is like I sit on my sofa and play games or I sleep and uh, all I need is like a sofa, a TV and a bed. Like, I don't care about anything else. But it's at the same time, I imagine, like, a lot of people who criticise, uh, so, like, that's the house they live in. That's the, that's the way I always imagine it. Yeah. It's, uh, like, the one of when you see people, like, Joe talking about, oh, fa- um, when they talk about how, like, fashion, they don't, it makes no sense today. Mm-hmm. And they make fun of, like, whatever thing is on trend, like, skinny jeans or ripped jeans or whatever. Yeah. I always just imagine them wearing, like, ill-fitting khakis and a hoodie. Yeah. Or like a, a t-shirt with like a, um, a video game on it. Yeah. And that's how, and that's the thing. That's how I always imagine the kind of people who make fun of um, uh, people getting excited about little like frivolous uh, mod cons and stuff like that for their house that they think makes it look cute. Yeah, and I love like personally making my house feel like personal to me. And I always remember like back in the day when I had, like, my bedroom, and, you know, I had the typical, like, geeky little bedroom of, like, I was in the box room of the house, and I had, like, my TV set up, and all my, like, games and Amiibos on shelves and stuff, and that was basically it, because that's all I had the room for, like, just Mm -hmm. display some games and, like, Amiibos, and my dad would always be like, man, this is, like, this looks awful in here, you're never gonna get a girlfriend, what, like, you know, with fucking little figures everywhere and funnily enough you know i met jenna and she likes the silly little gaming figures and disney figures yeah. and stuff too but it's a like, different okay oh i was just gonna say but it's just so nice to look around and go oh look i'm surrounded by things that i enjoy and appreciate and there is like um an argument to be made of like yeah make your home your own but I'd, i'll always argue try to class it up just a little bit and the example I always use is Funko Pops and anime figurines. So choose your poison with this one, whichever one is something you prefer. It's like, if you go to someone's house yep. and you see they've got one or two anime figurines or like one or two Funko Pops and they're just displayed nicely yeah. on like um, a mantelpiece or a wall or a shelf or something like that. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, and they've got a poster on the wall and it's framed and, it's, and, it's, and it looks nice. Yeah. Um, that, that's, that, that can look good. And mm-hmm. it doesn't matter what those things are of. Like, if you can have, like, an anime figure or a poster of, like, any random movie or thing that you're interested in, 
But if you go to someone's house and they've got a wall of Funko Pops, or they have like 50 anime figurines on a shelf that's not dusted. Yeah. And posters that are like pinned to the wall, but are haphazardly, so there's no rhyme or reason to them. Mm-hmm. Then it's like, it's the same thing you go, you go for the same thing, but one is more aesthetically pleasing to just the average person who doesn't perhaps share that interest. Yeah, and I think that's all it takes is because I, I think the difference between like, I don't think you've been to this part that I'm in now, but like, you know that the stuff that I display is like done relatively well and in like a quite a classy way. Yeah. Um, but the, the only real difference is like how I choose to display them, like all of the pieces of art we've got are all nicely framed on the walls. Like all of the like amiibos and such that I've got are all like nicely displayed and spread out like in a good way and they've yeah. all got nice little uh, features to them and stuff to make them stand out. But that's just the one I like though of um when you hear stuff like, Oh man, like can I not share my interest in my house? Like, you can, but just like no one wants to walk into your house and have it like game stocks. The story I like to tell is the house I would walk past every time I would go to film at Brad's. Oh yeah. In the, in the channel's early days. And there was a guy's house on the ground floor flat. And you could tell it was like a, a shared house or a, shared, mm-hmm. a room in a shared place because it was just um, a bed and then 300 Funko Pops all in the box on the wall. And that, um, was, the guy, that was the guy's room. That, to me, is the bit that really gets me. Like, I understand um, if it's genuine, like, you know, possible collectible and there are the people that like keeping things in boxes, but I think, yeah, when you are the person sitting there with, like, oh, I've just got a bunch of, like, Funko Pops or whatever it is, just, like, scaled up everywhere in boxes, it's like, it looks like a fucking warehouse. Yeah. Have you ever... Do we ever talk about on the channel... Okay, what am I going to forget? The, the guy who had the Funko Pop contract. Have we ever talked about that? Not that I'm aware of. Oh, man, can we talk about the Funko Pop contract? Let's talk about that. Because I, this is a, I, I hope to God it's real, but it's one of those things that I very well could be, like, parody. But I can 100% imagine this being a real thing, given how fucking into Funko Pops people get. Okay, yeah, yeah. And I'm going to get it right now. Um, and this is like it's called a, it's the pop tract the pop tract a, okay. the pop tract is a Funko pop cop tract that a guy had to sign with his wife and I'm just going to read it in its entirety oh dear god and feel with free to just hop in at any time with your thoughts so okay. effective as of August 1st in the year of 2016 this contract will serve as an agreement between James and Amanda regarding the purchase of Funko Pops as of August 1st, James shall only be allotted $30 per week on the purchasing of Funko Pops. Monthly, James shall not spend more than the amount of weeks in a month multiplied by the $30 limit. See monthly schedule below. Funds replenish on Friday and are determined by the amount of Fridays in the month. If James breaks the maximum allowance per month, James will lose that amount the following month. For instance, if James spends $150 in August with a maximum allowance of $120, he will lose $30 for September. I'm sorry, but $120 allowance per month on On fucking Funko Pops. Yeah. That's probably what I spend, probably more than what I spend a year on figures and stuff. And these are the kind of people where, like, I get it, you've got an interest, but it's like, you're making, this is the only thing about your personality 
like, that you ever like put out there, it's really fucking um, uh, like off-putting to a lot of people. Yeah, it is. Yeah, like having an interest is fine, but making your interest your entire personality, it's just it's not. I, I, I struggle to find the words to describe. It. Like, they're just not fun people to talk to. No, and I, I, as people have probably fucking gathered from like my online presence at this point, is like I am very much into gaming, but I like to think I can have a conversation with like you or another person about something other than just gaming. Yeah, well, Lucas, it continues though. Oh god, my mate's calling me. But I'll have to call him back in a bit because it's about a, tr- um, a trip I'm going on, which I might not be able to go on now because I fucking locked down. Anyway, uh, the weekly monthly limit, Lucas, shall not include the following gifts for others. Um, NY Comic Con Week, um, San Diego Comic Con Week, Boston Comic Con Week, Star Wars Convention Week, any other special event where exclusive or limited pops are released. Oh my god. Um, shipping charges for pops purchased online, chase pops found at retail prices, any and all subscription boxes, specialty boxes related to them, Amanda buying any pops at all. No, 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 none of that. Like, like not just specifically like. The Amanda bit, all of that, that last sentence you said of, oh, well, yeah, you get $120 a month at minimum on these figures. By the way, eight times a year, that limit's thrown out the window to go buy everything you fucking want. And like this is, it's you're closing in on Beanie Baby territory. Of, did, you, like, did you ever hear about when the Beanie Baby craze was happening and people would literally fly across the world to go to airports, buy all the Beanie Babies in the gift shop of the airport and fly back. Funnily enough, the only thing I really know about, like, the Beanie Baby craze was watching you and Nisha record that fat theme video. Uh, yeah, and then you get that famous image from that of where there was a, a divorce settlement where they were try- arguing over the Beanie Babies and a judge had to sit there as the couple sat literally on the floor divvying up their Beanie Babies amongst each other. Oh. Anyway, imagine uh, con- being that George Carl. Yeah, the, the contract continues. If like special circumstances, if James sells any current possessions, pops, WWE figures, movies, games, etc., this money can be added to, and I quote, an emergency pop fund account. Oh, oh. oh why? Um, if James buys pops for anyone else, that money will not be counted towards his weekly allowance. If he gets cash from recipients, this will simply go into his regular money account. If he receives pops in return from Nick, they will be taken off his weekly purchase amount due to a non-transfer of money. Unused pop money within a month will go to James's emergency pop fund. I mean, I get the whole, um, oh, a gift for somebody else. Like, yeah, fair enough. Uh, I, I would not count that as him purchasing something from him, his own means. Yeah, but like... I'm just looking at it now, like $120, $120. So, uh, Lucas, I, if you want to just do some, like quick math in your head, 120 times... 1,440. Okay, and then just add like another $150 onto that, I guess, for like the weeks where... Was, uh, the months where there's five weeks. Uh, yeah, so times like 52... Let's, let's actually do it on the phone. Maybe you don't need to add much, but like it's well over $1,000 a year. I'm double checking on, my maths here, Carl. On fucking Funko Pops. Uh, so it was thirty dollars a week, wasn't it? So that's one thousand uh, five hundred and sixty dollars a year. But that does not include any like subscription boxes or any limited time event Funko mm-hmm. Pops. Uh, 
And the fact that this contract is set up in any way, shape or form, the fact that it had to get to this point makes me think this person has a real fucking problem. Oh, the thing is, well, it, I, I think it might be real because Vice, because they're Vice, um, tracked the guy down and interviewed him. Oh, wow. Now, I don't know because it's one of those things of it, it sounds so farcical that it's hard to make up. It really it's is. Like, and he wants to clarify that his wife also collects them. But this is what I mean. It's like this... This guy clearly needs some kind of help in controlling an actual issue because yeah. it's clearly like something that they both feel relatively passionate about. He says, there's a quote but, from him right here. Yeah. The contract was made, like, my wife also gets them. She didn't make me sign it. It was like, you know, just something done in good humor. But then he himself admits in the same sentence, it was made in an effort to slow down my purchases. Yeah, so clearly this was something that, like, this guy had such an obsession over that he couldn't control it very well. And even if it was in a lighthearted way, it was still, hopefully, I would imagine, help him out in a bit of a problem. Like the idea that you're selling or that you're purchasing $120 worth of action figures a week. Like Mom. that's, like, I'm thinking, I don't know the street value of many drugs, but would a drug habit be cheaper than that? Um, I doubt it. I'm thinking, like, if, he, if this guy was like, oh, like, maybe someone can let us know about this, but people out there maybe smoke weed or whatever. Could you I know, smoke I know a few friends that are like regular weed smokers, and I think that's a more expensive habit from the amount they smoke at least. But a hundred pounds a week? No, a month, pal. No, this is a week. No, oh, yeah, thirty dollars a week. Thirty dollars a week. Yeah, sorry, my bad, my bad. I was getting confused and thinking about like, thirty dollars a week. Like, still. Oh, that's still an extortionate amount considering I maybe own. Uh, let's say I own roughly, like, 50 Amiibo. Yeah, the guy here, he says, though, that he does own, like, 1,500 Funko Pop, and he's very proud of the fact they're worth um, an estimated $37,000. Uh, I'd like to just, like, if that guy ends up ever hearing this, like, yeah, people still say anything about Beanie Babies, now they cost a dollar. Yep. Like, if they're worth that now, fucking sell them. They will not be worth that in the future. But like, my, they... my biggest problem with people that sit on that, um, like, high horse of... Well, yeah, my collection of these things is worth this much money. Is most people don't ever intend to sell that though. That's why there's um, uh, the money there because it's uh, like there's a artificial scarcity to them, and like Beanie Babies are the perfect example of this. They are, yeah. We talked about it in the video where like the guy who made and created Beanie Babies specifically limited the amount of beanies that were released in certain locations to drum up the idea that there was only a certain amount of them where he was realistically there were millions of them out there just spread out across various markets in the world yep and then one day um, like the apparently the, the proverbial straw that broke the beanie baby camel's back was when they announced that they were going to um, discontinue an entire line of beanie babies and one of the things that they would do is um, keep track of the beanie baby black market which is legitimately a thing that did exist Yep. Um, where they would track the price on there and see what uh, how much it raised by. And they declare, they discontinued an entire line of Beanie Babies and noticed that the price didn't go up at all. And that's when they realized, yeah, the bottom's fallen out of the market. There is now no desire for this. 
And that led to a cascade effect where collectors, because it was primarily a speculator's market, and it emerged after the fact that the lady who set the prices for Beanie Babies in like the Beanie Baby like newsletter she would put out, literally just pulled the prices out of thin air and just made up how much she thought a Beanie Baby would be worth. And, and for a while would, it worked. Yeah, and then would laugh when she would go onto eBay and see them selling for that amount. And oddly enough as well, the prices that she usually set were the Beanie Babies that she had. Oh, of so, course oh, they yeah. were, yeah. She'd be like, oh yeah, this Beanie Baby's worth like $100 a piece if you sell it now. So people will go out there and try and buy them for like $50, $60, hoping to sell it for $100, not realizing that the only reason that it's worth that is because one person said it. It's like the bottom fell out of the market and what do you think all the collectors did? They fucking sold their lot off, which flooded the market, drove prices down more. I will most definitely say, like, fair play to the hustle on that woman. Yeah, but it's that thing of uh, the value was only in the minds of people who held them and it it was purely driven by speculation. It was, yeah. the same, And you can see the same thing with Funko Pops right now, where all the value they have is not the value... Like, they're not worth anything. Same as like any real collectible, but yeah, uh, it is purely driven by speculation and artificial scarcity. Like, in that contract we just talked about, like the exceptions that would be made for were limited edition ones you can't get anywhere else. Mm-hmm. And like, um, just before we end, like, I'm going to get to the bathroom and then we come back and close, because we never actually talked about our sponsors. <laughs> So they're not sponsoring the podcast, but I did well, mention right I, at the very I, start. I really want to mention one other thing that we brought up and didn't do. Okay, well, we can do both of that to close off. I'm going to nip to the bathroom now. And yeah. Maybe call back because I've got like four missed calls. <laughs> so I will be back in just two minutes. Okay, so we're back. And Lucas, what is it then that you wanted to discuss that we just like we um, glazed over by accident? Glossed well, over. Sorry. We mentioned Damn early it. on, Carl... Ranking some biscuits. We did. Shit, yeah, and we just can't. Man, like, the idea of like a completely improvised podcast is really good in the sense that we don't have to do any research. Yeah. And I think the fact that we consistently every week record for two hours with no plan um, <laughs> speaks to the amount of bollocks we can both speak, but it does uh, result, I'm guessing, some frustration for listeners when stuff like that happens, where we mention something and then don't come back to it. And then we go off on like a tangent. And that was a tangent that like, I really wanted to go down. And I kept in the back of my head as like, we need to do that. And we went on a tangent. um, And then during the tangent, we go off on other tangents. And then by the end of it, it's like we're two hours in and we've not actually talked about the thing we were discussing. (laughs) So yeah, we get straight into like, Lucas then. Let's rank some fucking biscuits. And I immediately, I'm going to just discount uh, Jaffa Cakes. Jaffa Cakes are not biscuits. Go read my article about that on today. I found out for an explanation of why, but Jaffa Cakes are not biscuits. Get out. And I, I'm just going to go out there and I'm going to say the absolute most god-tier king biscuit. Um, I, it's, maybe it's not the nicest biscuit, not the best, but it's the, mo- it's the one where I think about I could always have one of these and they're never not good. And that is the chocolate digestive. Okay, yeah, just a, a classic. But I think like, that is the absolute just like god tier biscuit because it is everybody likes chocolate digestive i've never encountered a person who doesn't uh, i i don't know many people that consider them like the best biscuit but well, i also you... don't know anyone that wouldn't like take one when offered exactly and that's why i think it's the best biscuits it's not necessarily the one that i like the most but it is the one that i think is consistently um the most enjoyable it's a people pleaser it is yeah and i think that counts for a lot 
It does count for a lot. I think consistency, consistency counts. does. Like, does. Because if you're in the shop, as like a British person, biscuits matter a lot. Like if you're in the shop and looking like, I've got people coming around this weekend, like what biscuit do I get to offer people with a cuppa? It's exactly. like an easy choice is just get a chocolate digestive. Because if you get something like a ginger nut, and people don't like ginger nuts. Yeah, that's going to be controversial. Like, I love, love a ginger nut. Uh, but, yeah, there's a lot of people that will scoff their nose at them. It's the same time I like Gary Boulder biscuits, squash fly biscuits, but I know a lot of people don't like them. And I presume, by the way, like, we're going to just be talking about, you know, more traditional British biscuits. Yeah, like, no, like if you want to mention a specific brand as being particularly good, like... Um, but I'm thinking we're not going down like a rabbit hole of like Oreos and things like that. Fuck like, Oreos, they're not biscuits. Yeah, that's what I mean. No, like, like, get American shit out of here, man. These are we're talking biscuits, man. Not fucking like Oreos are cookies. That's what I mean. Is like we're talking about you know you, your custard creams, your bourbons, like your digestives, your rich teas, that kind of yes. stuff. Yes. So Lucas, like, what do you think is like the most? Like, as I say, it's not my favourite biscuit, but I think consistency counts and when it comes to the biscuit that I think the most amount of people would enjoy it's got to be the chocolate digestive um, it's not not one that I would put on like even near the top of my personal list but yeah you personally okay I think that chocolate digestive is just like it's the standard for a reason yeah it's, it's, it's middle of the road well, what about like the regular digestive as well like regular digestive I think is so far down that it doesn't even matter because like, they're so dry yeah, it, I, like, it doesn't come into the conversation because chocolate digestives exist. It, like, they have completely supplanted their place in the list. Like, digestives can fuck off. Like, it's chocolate digestives or nothing. Mm-hmm. Okay, so what you got then? Um, so I'm going to say, like, the next one I want to mention, uh, quickly, I ran into the other room before I knew this was happening. To like, Jenna, Jenna, give me your rep. So I'm going to throw Jenna's okay. rep and one that I really like into the ring. That's jam and creams. Jammy cream is in like jammy dodgers. Uh, no, so they're similar to jammy dodgers, but they've got like the custard cream bit in the middle as well. Oh, okay, that's 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 a good one. That's that's an absolute like top tier biscuit. I think so, and especially when like dunking in a cup of tea or coffee. And I think you can't really take these rankings into account like without thinking this biscuit's getting dunked. Exactly. Yeah. So rich tea immediately gets written off because fuck rich tea. Uh, rich tea. The the biggest issue I've got with them. They fall apart so easily. They do, yeah. And that's the Peter K joke, isn't it? Like they, they fall apart instantly and then you get like a hobnob. And the hobnob's like the SAS commando of the biscuit world. It's like, <laughs> it's like fucking dunk me. Dunk me again. Do it. <laughs> that's why I love a ginger nut. I love dunking a ginger nut because you can dunk them like three, four times. And they just take it like absolute men. They fucking do. Like these man-ass biscuits. Well, like the thing is, if we want to talk about like personal favourites, like the chocolate digestive is like the one I think just overall... Would be like it's not going to top a lot of people's list, but it would come so consistently high on all of them. It's yeah. average would probably wait until some more. Personally, for me, like my absolute favorite biscuit, and it's the one that you rarely see because it it's so specific. It's custard cream, but very specifically, orange custard cream. And have you had an orange custard cream? I forgot about orange custard creams, Carl. But I bet now I've said orange custard cream. I want an orange custard cream. Exactly, because every time I've ever mentioned this, they're made specifically by Hill. It's Hill Biscuits. They're the people who uh, made the ones that I had as a kid, and I'm pretty sure they're the only ones who make them. Okay. And 
every single time I've had, because this is a discussion that I've had like once or twice before, because when you're having a cup of tea, it's like a fun thing to have like this argument. Yeah. And that's why I've noticed that chocolate digestive tends to like, it's never anyone's favourite, but it's always a, like a, high, a consistently high place. But I'll mention orange custard creams and everybody has the exact same reaction as you have. I forgot about them, but now I want one. Like, obviously, this is just an audio-only podcast, but you don't understand how much my eyes widened when you when said you, that. When I said orange custard cream. So, <gasps> I forgot about them. Because they're so good. They're they the are. Best, and for me, they are the most top tier biscuit because they're so rare. So I've never gotten sick of them because I never have a chance to like get sick of them because I only encounter them like once in a blue moon. Oh God, and, they've got like a 1% catch rate, Carl. Yeah, and they're as well. They're a biscuit that nobody ever has in their house. Yeah, exactly. So when you find them... It's like you only find when they're on store shelves, and they're rarely on store shelves because they're not popular. And I don't know why, because every person I've ever mentioned to says these things are fucking awesome. I want one right now. Yeah. And like, yes, yeah, so that's mine for me, just like on a personal And shout level. out to just the regular custard cream. Like, that's a pretty strong one as well. But it's just not as good as the orange custard cream. No, they're not. They're not, admittedly. And that's and, um, and in the same vein, like the bourbon. I like the bourbon. Or is it bourbon or bourbon? Uh, it's, it's a bourbon biscuit because I used to say bourbon and people would be like that's a fucking whiskey you know Fair like, yeah like, okay i don't mind them and they are very nice when dunked into tea but like well i was gonna say a, a bourbon biscuit like shines when dunked in a coffee yeah because then you get the chocolate and the coffee mixed don't you but man yeah. like orange custard cream do you know what the worst bit is as well i've just googled orange custard creams they are discontinued th- they are 38p wait what they are 38p from a place called the grocery shop online. So well, the Carl, best... apparently oh, I'm nice buying one. jelly stones and orange custard creams after this podcast. Right, the best biscuit is the cheapest one. Yeah, and um, I, I, I know we said like traditional British biscuits. I do want to give a shout out to like one of my favourite coffee biscuits that is a Lotus biscuit. Yeah, I have um, packets of Lotus biscuits in the office. Yeah, and they are awesome, they are tasty, but I don't think they can come into account in this ranking of, like, traditional British biscuits. But they are, like, you know, an honorary mention of they are very nice. They are. And they are, like, they're made to be eaten alongside coffee. I don't think you're supposed to dip them in coffee. Because but I'm fuck guessing, it, I do. <laughs> yeah, an Italian will turn their nose up at that, but yeah, exactly, fuck it, they really are nice. Or coffee. they're nice in a hot chocolate as well. Ooh. Or, or a coffee chocolate. Yep. A coffee hot chocolate, but yeah, man, like, they deserve an honorable mention, but they're not. They're not topping the custard cream, not the orange one. Like the rarest of the rare. And so, like, <laughs> so what is like your absolute top tier? You mentioned Jenna's. Yeah, um, I would probably say, yeah, like my my three favourites are probably like jam and cream that I mentioned, mm-hmm. the lotus that I mentioned, and the ginger nut, which has also been talked about. I'd say that in my ranking of like just normal, easy to find biscuits, like they would be my top three. Yeah, and then I, uh, one one of the more eclectic picks for me is one that I know not a lot of people like, um, but I just really enjoy is the fig roll. Oh no, I'm not too big a fan of them. Exactly, it's a, it's an acquired taste is the fig roll, but um, it is that's yeah one that I really like. But one that I think it's like it's secretly top tier, but no one wants to admit it is the pink panther. They're a wafer though, Carl. Is that a way? Oh, is that where you draw the line then? They're a wafer bar. They like I would not dump them in a cuppa. No, but we, I guess though with that we're getting closer to like chocolate bar territory out where we're straying away from the world of biscuits here. So, but pa- Pink one. Panthers fucking top tier in are, terms yeah. of like a snack. Like, yeah, 
Fair play. I, I absolutely adore Pink Panthers, but I wouldn't class them as a biscuit. Fair enough. Well, in which case, then, my other pick, and this is, like, for the lower end of the scale, of one that I think it gets too much um, uh, love. Ooh, okay. Like, unearned love, and that is the party ring. Yeah. Like, party rings, like... One, fuck you, that's not party. Like They automatically get served at every kid's birthday party because they've got the word party in it. Yeah. They're not nice. And I think I have good memories of party rings. And that's why I like, I remember... Um, because they're just sugary. I, I can't remember who brought them into the Big Wanger's office. I did, I bought a packet. Oh, you bought a packet. and I celebrate. Like, yeah, man, party rings. And tasted one, I was like, ooh, party rings. Yeah, they're not great. Do you know what still holds up, though? I know it's not a biscuit, but I think they really do hold up. Ice gems. Ice gems, yes. Ice as gems. Soon as you mentioned pie rings, I thought of ice gems. They're so good. Ice gems still fucking hold up, and they're really nice, because did you always do the thing of you pick the ice gem off the top, and then you put, then you suck the icing, and then you yeah. get the biscuit with a little bit of ice. Oh, it's so good. Yeah, like you have the little biscuit separate. Oh, God. And Every- I occasionally would do the thing where, like, I... um. Took the icing off one of them, mm-hmm. got made a, a second one, and made, made a sandwich, yeah. Made a sandwich. Oh, I remember doing once of pulling all the icing off of every single one, eating all the biscuits, and then eating all the icing. Oh, but I only had like enough patience to do that once as a child, because the rest of the time, it's like, I can't resist. I've got to eat this icing. Oh, and man. People, yeah. Americans are really confused. Like, ice gems are literally, that is a, not literally an ice gem, but it's a, it's a small, very, very small, it's like the size of a thumbnail biscuit with a tiny bit of icing on top. Yeah, and it's like um, basically just a hardened bit of sugar on the top. Yeah, and, and I remember oh. absolutely freaking an American friend of mine out when I talked about um, iced fingers uh, because they couldn't uh, comprehend what an iced finger was. And if, any, if Americans out there are wondering, it is a hot dog bun with icing on it. And they legitimately could not believe that was a real thing. Are they hot dog buns? It's just hot dog buns, but they put sugar in them to sweeten them a little bit. Oh, so they're kind of a bit more like brioche. Similar, yeah, but you can't just use And then you've got like um, a kind of donut glaze on the top. But you can just use a regular hot dog bun. But when I told them it is a hot dog bun with icing on it, and they're like, no, it's fucking not. And then I sent them a picture of an iced finger, and they're like, it's a fucking hot dog bun with icing on it. (laughs) And the other one is uh, my girlfriend absolutely lost her shit. We were watching uh, the comedian, uh, I think it's uh, James Acaster, and he's oh, yes, talking yeah. about uh, Chris Tingles. And do you remember Chris Tingles at all? I don't, but I do have a Google device right next to me. Carl. Okay, well, they are like a traditional thing done at British Christmases where you get an orange and put a candle in it and then put cocktail sticks with fruit or sweets on the end. And it's supposed to represent, like, Christ or something like that. And my girlfriend thought the comedian was just being... He's just an absurdist comedian. She thought he was just making something up ridiculous. Carl, about I've like, never seen these. Oh, okay. Well, they are a thing. I'm guessing that they're a lot less common than I assumed. But she thought he was just making up something ridiculous. Because the joke is, I eat one in the cinema. Oh. And, and when I brought up a picture of a Chris Tingle, she absolutely fucking lost her shit. And I changed the background on my phone from a picture of us <laughs> as a couple smiling together to a Chris Tingle. And every time I check my text, she fucking loses it. Because <laughs> she could not believe it. And it's the same way that like friend who did not know what an iced finger was. And when I sent them a picture, and I think they visited once and we went to a bakery and I showed them an iced finger, they fucking lost it. <laughs> But like they just couldn't handle the idea of an iced finger. 
Oh, and like I want to bring it back to biscuits for one second. Okay. Because I wanted to like hear you bring it up, and you didn't. Much is. I want to know your opinion on the malted milk. The malted milk? Let me just Google a malted milk. So I need to be reminded. Like the cow biscuit. Milk. Let me just remind myself what it looks like. Well, I'll know. I'll know it from the book. Ooh, ooh. You know what? Malted milk. Um, I have no strong feelings one or the other, but milk chocolate malted milk. Ooh. They're fucking up there. Because I, I, I always forget about malted milk, but I think they're very underrated. They are, and looking at the, ch- I remember the chocolate ones being super fucking strong. Oh, they do. Specifically as well, they make the ones that are only half covered in chocolate. So yeah. you can hold you can hold the biscuit and to dip it in tea. They're good. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then, like, oh, I love those ones where it's like, you know, they built this for Duncan. They did. The one that I can say can absolutely fuck off the edge of my penis. Right. Um, is the nice biscuits. See, I was just thinking about nice biscuits and one day I'll hate them and one day I'll love them. Like I don't I don't have a firm grasp on a nice biscuit. And again, um, I'm guessing that Americans will be fucking freaked out by the idea of this. And the thing it was a nice biscuit is literally a biscuit with the word nice put in yeah. it. <laughs> it's so stupid. It's like a biscuit covered in sugar with just the word nice engraved into it. And it's an actual thing, but I really dislike nice biscuits. Because they yeah. have the cheek to say the word nice on them and they're not nice. And like I don't, I still to this day don't know whether they're nice biscuits or nice biscuits. People say it's Nice, like the name of the French. There's a French city, isn't there? There's like a French city or village called Nice, yeah. But everyone calls them nice biscuits because that's what you say when you're a kid. But yeah, it's nice biscuits. And the reason I don't like them is because coconut's the primary ingredient, and I don't like coconut. Yeah, and that's because I don't really like coconut. But it's like coconut and sugar together, and I love fucking sugar. If people can't tell, so I'm like, one day I'll taste it and be like, uh, no. Now, and other days I really like them, but I will say, like, yeah, bottom tier. Yeah, I think nice biscuits is the one as well. I don't think anybody will put that near the top. No, no. I don't think if any, if Joey, like, say you've got a plate of biscuits and put a selection of them out, I reckon the nice biscuits would in like, 99 times out of 100 be the ones that are left over at the end. I was about to say, like, they wouldn't be the last pick. They'd be the ones that people don't even go for. Yeah, they wouldn't even... Like, you'd go over to the plate, see that they're the ones left, and decide against taking a biscuit. Like, you come over with your couple, like, oh, yeah, I'll dunk a couple of biscuits, and then just walk away without any... Like, that's how shit they are. And I think they're only topped in their shitness by those random biscuits you get in a tin near Christmas. Hmm that they try and make look fancy, that have got like the little bit of chocolate on them that are rock hard. <laughs> and they just don't taste very nice. And even when you dip them in your tea, they're still cracks, they fall apart instantly. So like, what what are we, what have we got? I think we've covered like our, our traditional bases here. So we've definitely got Nice Biscuits at the bottom. Nice Biscuits are the absolute just bottom of the barrel. Literally, if you've got a biscuit barrel, because they're always the ones that are left, like close, like close to all about the Christmas ones. Which I don't even think counts. You can't buy them on their own. No, you can't. No, like they only come packaged with the other loser biscuits. No one wants. <laughs> and what them. what would we put like based on our discussion above, like the nice biscuit? But as, in terms of crapness, that's just like party rings. Party rings, yeah. We'll put party it's rings like, above there. Again, like they're nice, like every now and again. But like no one's gonna pick up a party and ring. I would say like. From there, like, we'll, we'll, let's not pick, like, you know, the top 10. 
Let's just do like tiers because I would say they're the two that we've said are like bottom tier. Right at the bottom. Then like mid tier. And the thing is, like, uh, just between like low tier and mid tier, you have like shortbread because shortbread can be really nice, but when you get bad shortbread, it's just dry and awful. Yeah, bad shortbread is like bottom tier, but really good shortbread is like top fucking tier. Yeah, and it's like I've never had a bad uh, chocolate suggestive, but I've had a load of really bad. I've shortbread. had way more bad shortbread than I've had good shortbread, but good shortbread that melts in your mouth is fucking yeah. delicious. And it's in the same sense as of like gingerbread, which I'd say counts as a biscuit. Mm, yeah, yeah. Like, on a, depending on how it's cut, like if you get like a ginger nut, I really do like ginger nuts. But again, yet sometimes you get the really bad ones if they go a little bit stale. Yeah. Uh, because when they go rock hard, they're like taking your teeth out. <laughs> they are, yeah. They're like taking a bite out of a manhole cover. You ain't got a chance. Oh, God. And like, speaking of shortbread, like, they're not a biscuit, but millionaire shortbread. Ooh. Uh, I'm not familiar with it. Uh, like the like shortbread base with the caramel and then the chocolate on the top. Oh, fair enough. Yeah, like, but uh, like, uh, ginger nuts I would always place above rich tea. Oh, yeah. Uh, like, scratch this. Rich tea's going in bottom tier as well. Rich tea is, yeah. And then the one that I'm going to put bottom tier, just because I really don't like the flavour profile, just just to add the additional dunking, is if you do remember Viscount biscuits? Uh, no, but let me Google them. They're the ones that come in the green foil that are mint. Oh, no. I, I love, like, mint chocolate stuff, so oh, I, would, but... I would probably have them quite high. I just really hate them because they pretend to be posh. They do pretend to be posh, yeah. Like they're pretending to be posh, and at the same time, it's like with chocolate fingers. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I don't think chocolate fingers are very good either, because they're in the same sense. Like they try and add this, like, um, uh, what's the word now? Like th- this theatre to the act of getting the biscuit. Of like It slides out, like, oh, look, you've got to present the chocolate finger. It's like, fuck you, it's a biscuit, give me one. Not um, a biscuit, but I think the only one that pulls it off well is after eight. After eight, do yeah, because Ooh, and they Ferrero are... Rocher, they both pull off like that that posh facade, even though they're quite cheap chocolates. Yeah, but like, I I contend like those biscuits where they try and like the, the faux theatre to like, oh they're so nice. Like yo, this is a biscuit for a certain specific occasion. It's like no bollocks to it. I'll get one when I want. Thank you very yeah. much. <laughs> and Joe, what like Joe, what biscuit never judges you on when you eat it? The chocolate digestive. Yeah, it doesn't. You can have one in the bre- you can have one with your breakfast, with your tea, you can have one in the afternoon, you can have one with the lunch, you can have one on its own, you can have it for your elevens, you can have it for your supper. And the chocolate say, digestive never um, judges you. You've just reminded me, like, digestive we scratched off because chocolate digestive is the digestive. It's just supplanted its position, yeah. It no did. Sense. And I will say to start off middle tier, we haven't really mentioned it much, but the hobnob. Hob- oh, I've just thought of one as well. That deserves to go on the bottom tier, and I'm not sure if you remember them because I'm just looking at like pictures of biscuits now. Um, those ones that look that are right round, they're like circ- I want to send you a picture, and right I don't know. Yeah, what you're gonna have to give me more than a round biscuit. <laughs> but no, I mean like they're um, swirly. There's a swirl to them. Like look, the ones on this page here. Oh, uh, like the Viennese biscuits. Yeah, they can go as well. They they suck. I've never had a good one of them. I, I'd say they're like mid-tier, but yeah, I don't mind. Okay, if you put wanna... them in mid-tier. Put them well, in mid-tier, I, yeah. I say low-tier in the sense that I'd never pick one if I saw it. I know, I'd, I'd pick out a good Viennese biscuit. But like, for mid-tier, I mean, like ones that I'd have to be in the mood for it, but I wouldn't mind it. It's like Garibaldi for me, because I like the raisins. Oh, okay, see, I just don't like raisins, so like for me, yeah. they're not even a, a selection. And because my mum called them squash fly biscuits. So <laughs> I, I, thought, I found that quite That's cute. That's cute, yeah. Um... So what are our middle tiers? We've got like a hobnob, a Viennese, 
Yeah, just uh, like Garibaldi's. Like your plain biscuits. Like no one's like the non-offensive. Like the malted milk. Yeah, no, no one's like offended by being given one. Uh, but they wouldn't. Even though I love them, probably a ginger nut because again, like the controversy. Like they wouldn't be a, 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 a like a pick that everyone would go for. But no one's going to mind if one's on the plate. Yeah. Especially if you get the really good ones. Exactly, yeah. Like the really good ones. Like, they're so fucking good. And then I say, like, put the regular custard cream there. But put it towards the top. No, I, I would say that, like, custard cream inches its way into, like, the top. Just because it's that good? I think so. I think so, yeah. Where would you put the Jammy Dodger, then? Uh, Yeah, I would say the Jammy Dodger is probably, for me, mid-tier. And then the Jam and Cream... Like ups it to top tier because it's got the t- this is like though that argument with Bakewell tarts. Ooh, where again, yeah. where again Americans are probably not going to get a Bakewell tart is a almond and jam tart, and that's it. And then uh, Mr. Kipling, a like cake manufacturer over here, had the great idea to fill it with icing and put a, um, a glass of cherry in it. And people from the town of Bakewell get so mad when people ask where the icing is in their famous. Bakewell tarts. It's the thing the town is named after. Uh, or the, the thing like you know, the town is famous for. Yeah. And um, they get really mad when you ask them where the icing is. Yeah, and I know. Like, um, I remember seeing like a Channel 4 video on it or something. Like, of like, oh man, yeah, people from Bakewell. Because the reputation of the, the village is on the Bakewell tart. And nowadays, people think, oh, the Bakewell tarts are the icing with the cherry on the tart. They like, no, no. But I think, though, they're only doing it out of just stubbornness, where like they should just admit, like the digestive and the jammy dodger, that, look, yeah, uh, you had your time, but someone's improved upon it, and it is better in every way. Like, this Fucking is the modern it. interpretation of the Bakewell tart. So, like, I get it. You're really proud of your Bakewell tart. It's not as nice as the new one. No, it's because not. I- I've tried a traditional Bakewell tart. It is almond, sponge, and jam on pastry. That's very not bland. very nice. It's very black. It's very fucking dry. Very dry, yeah. Do you know what I really that's a bit of icing on there? Same with like the digestive where it had its time and then some genius, some hero thought about putting chocolate on top. Yep. And like that, that's it. That's the last what it is now. Someone spilled like a paint can of chocolate on the top of one. It's just like we can't it. it's just we can't go back. No, we can't. It's like and just go- like I think we can't go back to the jammy dodge, we've got to live with the jam and cream. Like, probably jammy dodges are probably like newer than the jam and cream, but like, yeah, this the is jump like, cream is the king. This is like when we jump from HD to standard definition. And it's like standard definition. All the way around, yeah. Uh, uh, sorry, we jump from standard definition to HD. Yeah. And like, you know, and we went from like 4.3 to widescreen. So like, yeah, 4.3 has its place. Yeah. And there are like, you know, some things that were filmed in 4.3, like The Simpsons and like classic Simpsons and things like that. Mm-hmm. And when, yeah, and I will on occasion, I'll watch it. I want to watch it in the original format it was designed. Like, I will have, you know, a digestive when the situation calls for it. But for the most part, I'm almost always going to choose the better option. Yes. Because it's better. We've in, we've like, we struggled through with the shit thing and now we've made it better. Deal with it. So why would I go back to like the original iPhone when I've got an iPhone 10 right here? Yeah, and like there is like you know you can have the nostalgia for the old thing, but this one is just better, deal with it. So speaking of, like, you know, just saying better deal with it, what is our, like, top-tier traditional biscuits, then? I'm going to go with chocolate digestive. Like I said, it's not going to be anyone's number one, but it is solidly It right gains there. so many points for just being, like, on everybody's list. 
And as well, if you walk around with a plate of biscuits, and there's to- if it's just talkative, every single person is going to take one. No yeah, one's going to say like, no. I, I will shout out, yeah, uh, going into this, I didn't think, to me, chocolate digester was like, yeah, it's fine. But yeah, your argument of every single person will take one. Like, it swung me. You've swung me, Carl. Yeah, uh, it's in the same vein as well, like chocolate-covered hobnobs specifically yeah. get a, a mention up there because hobnobs on their own are all right but they're like more an acquired taste but a chocolate covered hobnob is like just, it's, it's, it's yeah, sure, tier. yeah it's up there and then just I for mean. me it's like the, the orange custard cream based entirely on your reaction to when i said the words and you just yeah. went <gasps> so you've you've heard it here so like what have we got we've got like the chocolate digestive the custard cream and the orange custard cream. Which is like, just absolutely. Like, the custard cream's got its place, but orange custard cream just blows it out. Of the, like, it oh, blows it its asshole so out. And then, I, what were the other ones? Like, probably just the, uh, left the, jam, like, the, the bourbon cream. biscuit and the jam and cream. Yeah, they're all the classics, the legends. The legends. The legends the pa- of the biscuit world. The pantheon. Like, so, top five biscuits. Like, there you go, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, and I encourage anyone out there who's not tried an orange custard cream, like, seek them out. They are the best. It's the t- and the I'm most- going to, like, surprise Jenna if she can't hear me right now with a packet of orange custard creams and see what the reaction is. Like, maybe keep an eye on my Twitter and I'll try and remember to, like, post Jenna. I'm, I'm just going to tweet it out. Right, I'm, gonna just tw- I'm just going to tweet out right now. Like, oh. let's do it. What, what, what should I say about, like, the orange custard cream? Uh, I don't know, like... I feel like you need to just post a picture of them and just be like, you know, top tier question mark. Um, yeah, I'm, you know what? I'm going to do it right now. I'm going to get the picture of the orange custard cream. I'm going to put it on Twitter right fucking now. Orange custard cream. Let's go. Where are they? Well, let's do it, Carl. Let's make content on the fly. I'm going to do it. I want to fucking tweet this shit out right now. To be fair, I just said let's make content on the fly. That's what the past two hours and like That's what the entire podcast is. <laughs> I'm just going to tweet out like this is the secret, the, the ultimate top tier biscuit and like you're a coward if you don't admit it. <laughs> like, oh, this is the absolute most god tier biscuit around. And people who won't admit that are cowards. There we go. It's, it's gone. But I accidentally I missed a word, so I've got to delete it and resend it out. Because apparently Twitter doesn't let you oh, edit man, your fucking that tweet. That is such bullshit. Such bullshit. Like everybody on Twitter is like Twitter. Why don't you have an edit button yet? And then they have that explanation of, well, we don't want someone to tweet out, I like dogs. Have a bunch of people retweet it and then edit it to say, like, white power or something. Which, you know what, is a very real thing to worry about in this day and age. But there are so many, like, solutions to that problem. Yeah, there are, yeah. Such as, if a tweet gets edited, just remove it from everyone's timeline who liked and retweeted it. Um, Yeah. Or just have a buffer where, or when it gets done... Have it removed from that person's timeline, and then they have to review what it was edited to. And then ask them, would you like this to remain on your timeline in case someone does try to do that? Yeah, I think there's there's things that they can do of just like, oh, maybe in the first five minutes you can like edit the thing to just... Or you can have the thing that um, Google does. I think Gmail did do this. I'm not sure if it still does where. Um, when you hit send on an email, it doesn't actually get sent for about, I think, like a minute, two minutes. Um, at which point you can go back into editing and unsend the email. Yeah. 
uh, to counteract the amount of times people like accidentally hit send instead of return or something like that and send like half an email or one word. And the one that really gets me is like the and apparently like some people do this of like draft an angry email to the person that they hate and then don't send it and then don't send it. But I'm like, you're playing such a fucking dangerous game there. Like, I would never... Like, if you're going to write a letter of like, angry will towards somebody, just get your fucking journal out. Yeah, that's the one. Like, vent that way. You can't accidentally send a page of your journal to, like, a random person that you hate on the internet. <laughs> well, that, that's... The, oh, people do to me, though. It's fine. I mean, that's true. That's true. Like, Lucas, you're giving this advice when, like, on several podcasts we've talked about how people with Nazi avatars are telling me oh, to Oh, no, Carl. Myself. I'm saying you can't accidentally. I don't think that was an accident at all. Oh, no, it was done on purpose. Done willingly. Like, uh, but you hear stories of people going, like, yeah, like, I wrote an angry email to my boss to vent, and instead yeah. of deleting it, I accidentally pressed send. I, it's I, like, I, why I, the fuck did you draft it to them already? Oh, like, there are so many solutions for this very like real problem that people have of like every time Twitter does something, it's like just fucking put an edit button in. Yeah. But my favorite one is though when Twitter announced like, oh hey yeah, um, we've got this new feature that you can tell only exists so right wing people stop getting dunked on. <laughs> yeah. And it is you can stop any you can choose who you want to be able to respond to your tweets. Oh yeah. And the, that exists purely so that right-wing people can be shitheads and not have to worry about getting uh, ratioed. Mm-hmm. That's exact. That's the only reason that thing exists. Oh god, it's so bad. And it's so obvious that's why it's there mm-hmm. because the only people who use that feature, unless you're being ironic like I am sometimes. <laughs> uh, oh yeah, respond to his tweet to join the fact fiend Discord. Are right-wing people being racist? Yeah. And they just don't want to get called out for it. Oh god. Oh, like the one that Twitch is doing right now of, uh, oh yeah, uh, we're trialing this new feature where we just uh, put mid-roll ads in your Twitch stream. Don't worry though, we're going to helpfully put them in and you don't have to do anything. And, and uh, people are like, oh, so do I have any um, way of deciding when these random ads are going to occur? Well, all you have to do is play ads at an undisclosed like amount. Frequency. Yeah, undisclosed frequency, so that you can stop us playing ads for you. Oh, okay. So either way, it's I choose when the ads play, or fuck you, will choose for you. Yeah, the the absolute though best one though is within like an hour of him announcing that a guy was a uh, uh, speedrunner. Well, like, I think that oh, was a mock up. Oh, was that a mock up? Oh, okay. I think I just... that was like just a. Oh um, yeah, I think this is gonna happen when, when I saw the I from. saw the gif of the guy speed running and when he gets into the hypest parts and ad plays and I was like, oh man, that got me. That was literal fake news and it got me. Um, I I believe like, I saw a few comments of people going like, look, this isn't actually what happened. Like this but, is just somebody making a concept of what could happen. I can one hundred percent see that happening because with the amount of people who are streaming online. Well, um, and as well, it's similar to the whole YouTube thing of we will find a natural break in your sentence for before we play like the automatic mid-roll ads and you get people going like, uh, and then it's like play. The horrendous one for that was when that happened to us, because if people don't remember, YouTube just automatically implemented mid-roll ads across the entire site. And even though they told people they could opt out, and I did that multiple times, they still put mid-roll ads on every single ad, uh, every single video in our archives over eight minutes long. 
Um, they were in some cases putting like five ads in an eight minute video. And as well, um, fun fact, like the videos I edited on my YouTube channel last night, for some reason, had mid-roll ads selected on them. Even though you turned them all off. Even though I've, I've got it set off. Um, it's been off for the entire time since they implemented it until last night when I uploaded a few videos and they were automatically on again. Good and man. I checked my uh, settings and they are still set to not occur. So it just randomly happened. So I just needed to keep an eye out for when they randomly sneak it in. Yeah. It's just like Twitter, isn't it? Every now and again, accidentally changing your timeline to be top tweets instead of latest tweets. Oh, God, no. And it does it every single... F- it's like, oh, no, whoopsie-doopsie. Didn't mean to do this. Oh, no, I forgot. Even though every single time this happens and you notice, you immediately... Um, uh, Turn it uh, back. Switch, switch it back off. Like, the instant you... Have- it's one of the reasons I got rid of Facebook. Oh, yeah. I was so fucking sick of Facebook changing itself and, like, you know, in addition to all the, ra- all the racism. Yeah, and all the misinformation and blah, blah, blah. Fuck Facebook. But yeah, and like, I don't know, Carl. Like, feels like we're, we're winded down. But you did want to mention the sponsors. Yeah, well, it's just a thing. I just found it really interesting. Of um, like, the channel has now got to the point where we start to get sponsors, which we've been getting offers for sponsors for like since the channel basically launched, like so two, three years at this point. Yeah. But um, it's only very recently that, thanks to um, like the first big sponsor, not big in the sense of like how much or like um, how prominent it was, but just because we accepted it. And like it was, went onto the channel was at Whiskey Studios. And from that, it's like led to a cascade effect, which was anticipated by myself mm-hmm. uh, of other people reaching out because it was uh, Whiskey Studios were just guys who streamed who were like, yeah, we've been doing this for a while and we're not getting any traction. I figured why not just pay you to talk about us in a video and see if that works. And it did. And that has encouraged more people to reach out. And what I wanted to talk about is not necessarily the sponsors themselves, but just like the eclectic range of stuff that we have sponsored today while recording. Okay, um, yeah. Which if people will recall from like six and a half hours ago when this podcast started, um, (laughs) is a guy who spins wool, um, a guy's book that he wrote, and fan translations of of, uh, media related to a video game. Do you Um, know what video game it is? Uh, the Toho Project, which is a bullet hell game with super sick music, and that's how I was um, uh, like drawn um, to that particular sponsorship. And the videos with those sponsors will presumably be going out over the next couple of weeks, so I won't like just reiterate what is said in them. When of course, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the, the sponsor is to go on the sponsored videos. Yeah. And like I said, I'm not being paid to say this because they spon- they, the money they paid was for a uh, mention in a video. But uh, the reason that I, I like it so much is that I look at all other channels of like, you know, similar or bigger size than ours and all their sponsors are so fucking boring. Yep. They're so boring. It's always the exact same fucking thing. It's just raid, it's VPN, um, make a website or big company that doesn't really need the advertisement. Mm -hmm. And I was thinking like, why is there not more of like just random person's thing that they won't plug in? Because that's surely like that's the best, that's the beneficial thing for everyone. Because we talked about like the uh, one me and you recorded, where it's a guy and his wife sell wool online. Yeah, and it's like this is great because we're being paid. Everyone who works on the channel gets a bonus. Um, this guy gets um, bonus 
uh, will hopefully get like a lot of uh, new people, like at the very least, checking out the thing that he does. More awareness, hopefully, yeah. Yeah, people who are watching are getting like you know more of the same content they come to expect from the channel because it's just. Uh, we would give them carte blanche to talk about whatever we want and use their sponsorship as a jumping off point for a tangent, mm-hmm. as we often do as evidenced by the existence of this two and a half hour long podcast doing exactly <laughs> that. And then we get to not put any ads against that video because there's already an ad on it and it's already earned enough money for us to like, you know continue the channel as normal. And we've mentioned it before, like um, in especially the how not to do business videos. Of like, It's really bizarre that the sponsors will reach out with the line of like, we really enjoy your content. By the way, do a plug for us that has nothing to do with like the style or substance of your said content that we apparently love. Which is something that happened to me when I was... Because um, the last couple of weeks after the sponsor, the second sponsorship we did went live, um, yeah. I've been reaching out and I've been trying like uh, my, my best to like collate all those and respond to the people who like, you know, make um, uh, like sensible offers and for things that I feel would like, fit with the channel. Uh, while that was happening, a guy messaged me on Twitter, Instagram, and then like via YouTube, like leaving a load of comments on my personal channel about I, I need to get in touch to talk to you. I need to get in touch to talk to you. And I thought, well, fucking hell, fucking hell. Like get in contact via the email, mm-hmm. like the official Fat Feet email if you want to discuss it. And it was like War Thunder. And he wanted a 90 second integration. Oh, God. And it's just like, you're so, like, why would I say yes to this? And I get it. I, he was offering more money than any sponsors offered us so far. Of course. But, but at the same time, I don't want to do a 90-second integration because it's just boring. Yeah. Like, it's way, way more fun to, like, to do the sponsors that we've done today. We just get to talk about fucking sheep. Like, Carl, would you really like to make 90 seconds of white noise that everyone will ignore? No. And that's the thing I was just like wanting to talk about, like not specifically the sponsors themselves, but just the idea that I am the only person. I don't watch much YouTube, so maybe someone can correct me on this, or maybe they're aware of another YouTuber who's accepted sponsors that aren't just massive faceless company you don't give a shit about and who won't let the person doing the ad read inject their own personality into it. I mean, I'll say like I watch a decent amount of YouTube, but like I've got like over a hundred channels that I subscribe to and like a couple of recommended ones based on my viewing and stuff that I'll watch. And like, I would say I watch a a decent amount of channels and content that I've never seen anyone else take that approach. I I don't watch the most of my YouTube, but yeah, I'd say I watch quite a bit and I've never seen it happen. And it's really strange to me. I, I, I don't want to sound big headed and like, I'm the only person doing this, but Am I the only person who does it this way? Because I have never encountered um, any other channel that will just take what I seem to be, what I see as very reasonable steps, and like have these like incredibly simple requests that no advertiser seems to want to um, agree to, which are just it's my content, let me do it my way. And I, I, I guess what you know, obviously with a. Um big companies it goes through a lot of people and it goes through like pr and blah blah marketing and what have you but it i think the reason that you don't see more like um i guess like you know smaller creators and like businesses reach out is because maybe they don't think of it as an option maybe not no so that's why i'm getting like people reaching out to me with those but it's, it's just i don't get it 
Like we've had so much fun today just talking about all these sponsors because yeah, it, it, you've got carte blanche, do what you want. All I want is my logo in the background. It's like, well, yeah, that's what a sponsorship should be. Like, and when you at see, the like, end of the day, like, yeah, people are going to skip over an ad read, but people might not skip over me and Carl talking random shit about sheep for a while. Because that's the whole reason they clicked the video to start with. But Exactly, yeah. Just one of those things, I just thought it was really interesting, like the eclectic range of stuff that we've just sponsored just today. Mm-hmm. And the fact that if you go watch any other video, like all you're going to see is ads for like the same basic products over and over and over again to the point where it becomes, as you said, white noise. Yeah. And it's just it's, it's just interesting. And I'm just like curious, like have you ever seen anything like, um, spon- like a sponsor plug like that? Uh, no, I literally like I haven't seen um, another like YouTube channel or podcast or anything do an ad read. Well, not an ad read, but a sponsor in the same way that me and you today have literally done. You know what? We're breaking new ground, Lucas. Let's hope it works out. I, I don't I... know if we are, but like as far as I've seen, we are. Yeah, that's the thing. And it sounds so strange because at no point during like um, like my career as an, a creator have I ever thought anything I'm doing is that outlandish or strange. But the amount of times I've had people say, I, I don't understand how you're successful... Mm-hmm. You deliberately book every trend on YouTube and actively fight against your own success and are still a success. Yeah. Like you I actively, um, uh, like you put one ad against all your content and still make enough money to pay three people and yourself and turn a profit. Yeah. And it's like, oh, so why doesn't everybody else do that? Why is that not an option? Like, why am I the first people person? people want all of the money, Carl, not some yeah. of it. And as I summed up on my Twitter the other day... Um, let this go to show people after getting a couple of sponsors to agree to our terms that if you stick to your morals, um, you too can start to make money after two years um, instead of making a large amount of money for selling out instantly. And uh, yeah, I think like we were talking about on stream of like, oh, um, like Carl was saying, I don't understand why like, you know, people don't try and take this route and it is the answer it like for half the amount of time, half the amount of effort, and probably about five times the amount of money they can just go and get, like, sponsor X on YouTube. Yeah. Don't even have to do anything. Like, they'll send you the thing you got to read out. They will. Or they'll tell you you have ultimate creative control as long as you say these 18 things. Mm-hmm. But we can leave it there and, like, you know what, quite fittingly, would you like to plug anything now, Lucas? Uh, yeah, I will just do my like usual plug of um, check me out on my YouTube and Twitch channels of Legend of Kanto, and uh, I do like just general gaming stuff and uh, play lots of games with Carl. And right yeah. now we are going through. Well, we've been through Modern Warfare Two, but that's what's going up on the channel. Uh, yes. I'm playing through Pokemon Soul Silver with Carl, and I'm playing through Ghost of Tsushima with Jenna. And then we're just streaming like Smash Bros on Monday and general whatever the hell I feel like on other days. Yeah, and I'll just say just check my stuff out. Like you know where it is. If you're listening to this, you know where it is. So yeah, and, um, it's fairly like, simple. You, you know, you can also find me on Carl's gaming channel. Like, there we go. Perfect. So, thank you very much, everyone.